Chuck, you are absolved of all your problems. And I'm like, is he? She's like, you have acted like a perfect Victorian gentleman. And I'm like, you mean by doing exactly nothing? <laughs> the bare minimum was him not popping a bee while she was grinding <laughs> on him. A perfect Victorian gentleman! <laughs> the bar is so low for men. It takes like they could just step over it. Hello and welcome to our Riverdale podcast brought to you by the Aficionados Podcast Network. My name is Robin Jeffrey. I'm a 23-year-old actor and filmmaker from Alberta, Canada. I like brooding anti-heroes and feminist agendas, and I have way too much knowledge regarding details that no one else remembers. I run at the 100 script on Twitter, and you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey pretty much everywhere. The musical role that I was born to portray is Elle Woods from Legally Blonde and Angelica Schuyler from Hamilton. And my name is Brittany Ray. I'm a 28-year-old writer and TV critic from beautiful post-apocalyptic Vancouver, BC. I like badass milks and long naps. I'm on Twitter at Britannia, where I can be found attempting journalism and talking about my cat. And the musical role that I was born to portray is Victoria Grant from Victor Victoria, because she's a woman pretending to be a man, pretending to be a woman, and hashtag drag culture. <laughs> Otherwise, I want to be the Phantom from the Phantom of the Opera, because he is a in mask. Sure. I think I can oh. pull off a mask. Yeah, I always wanted to play Draco in the in the A Very Potter musicals as well. Yeah, actually, you know what? Those other ones aren't accurate. That's the role you were born to play. <laughs> Ever since I was in high school, like Lauren Lopez was my idol. I was like, if I could do anything, I would do that. And I always play dudes. So yeah, you've I'm done down. drag a lot. So I'm gonna say that that's the oh role you were God! meant to be. I dude, I never thought of it like that, but I feel so good. Hold I mean, up. you did you did an entire play in drag. Oh my god! <laughs> How are you only just realizing? I am this? not okay. You, you've literally done like drag king stuff for like. Oh my god! So Hold, many I years. To, oh, I'm like going back and finding like pictures of my. Oh my god! Full on, <laughs> I've done drag. <laughs> what? How are you? How are these two things just connecting in oh your brain? Oh my god! I'm so excited about this. <laughs> I cannot wait for your future career as a drag king. I'm so much cooler than I thought I was. I'm gonna let you have that because I believe it to be true. I actually think that I am pretty cool, so the fact that I think that I'm co even cooler is, like, crazy. I mean, you're pretty cool, but we just, like, you know, I can't give you too much. Yeah, that's fully drag. <laughs> <laughs> I've done shows. I was like, that. it's just dawning on you. This is fully drag. You're dressed as a man. Today we have words to say about episode 218 of Riverdale, A Night to Remember. Nope. Is that it? Yeah. It's called A Night to Remember. Uh-huh. I just kept calling it Carrie the Musical in my brain. <laughs> nope. That's what it's called. And when I watched it last night, I thought, oh, cool. We won't have a lot to talk about because most of it's just singing. I'm a liar. I have a lot of thoughts. <laughs> yeah. I was like, oh, yeah. I mean, like, you know, it's just a lot of lyrics. No, it's actually like so much stuff. So the title is A Night to Remember, which was a 1958 movie about the final night of the Titanic. But I feel like, and it's also a song from High School Musical 3. But oh I think- I think that the main, like, reason why it's called that actually is because one of the songs that they sing is called A Night You'll Never Forget or something like that. A Night You'll Never... We'll Never Forget. A Night We'll Never Forget. 
And um, so, you know, basically synonyms, a night to remember. Proud of you. Thank you all so much. But I like that that song is about prom and a night to remember from High School Musical 3 is also about prom. So. And I, you um, know, we don't relate because we don't have prom culture. Yeah, I never got a prom. We didn't get homecoming, prom. We have like grad. Grad, but it was basically like, here's a giant ceremony. Now you can come to your grad banquet. And then everyone gets to do their, a whole promenade around so your parents could see your pretty dress. And then (laughs) after an entire thing about people doing more speeches and we see like kindergarten photos, then there's a dance. But most people are like just hanging out because, you know, your whole family's there. Yeah, you don't actually, like, want to, like, dance. And then everyone has to try and figure out what they're going to do after that's over. We have some thoughts from listeners. Do you want to read that out? We do. Um, Nadine, one of our loyal listeners who um, is also, like, one of my good friends and my sister's, like, lifelong friend. And a Patreon um, sponsor. And a Patreon sponsor. Thank you. And a literal angel has a bunch of thoughts from last week. And th- some of them made me laugh a lot. Because they're basically, like, pointing out some, cup, like, inconsistencies that we didn't even think of. Yeah. Um, so the first one is, why was the dress code memo for breaking Cheryl out of the sisters heavy on cleavage, black, and sheer? You'd think breaking into a place would make you take off your pearl necklace. She's not wrong. <laughs> Absolutely not wrong. Can confirm. Not wrong. And then she was like, was I the only one who thought when they went through that convenient pipe that they were going to find the dead body that Betty hid? I did not even think about that at the time. I didn't think about it at the time, but now but I'm like, totally. oh, yeah, probably. It's probably the same set. <laughs> oh, and this one's my favorite because it makes the most sense and it ties into this episode. Mm-hmm. Why has Chick all of a sudden lost all of his street smarts? Didn't he survive all these years alone? He can't be this useless at a cover-up unless he did it on purpose. Like, two weeks of suburban bliss doesn't wipe away a lifetime of hustling. Yeah. She's so right. Chick showed up for, like, literally two minutes and he messed me up. Like, but the phrase, like, two weeks of suburban bliss doesn't erase a lifetime of hustling, to me, is an iconic phrase. (laughs) Just iconic. But, yeah, like, basically, I think that's the thing we haven't been keeping in mind of the whole time is, like, Chick's literally raised himself. Yeah. He's been doing all of this stuff for so long. Why all of a sudden can he not do nothing? I was forgetting about all the people who went through the sisters. So many people. Half the Coopers. Three-fifths of the Coopers. Oh, yeah. Because Alice was there, right? Yeah. That explains a lot about how Northside Alice came to be. Yeah. Is that it? We're good? Mm-hmm. Okay, mm-hmm. Brittany, I have a question for you. Hmm. What? I'm not drinking bubble tea. What research did you do uh, for this episode? I watched the original, um, I think it's 1976 movie, uh, Carrie. Cool. What did you do? I found a bootleg online of Carrie the Musical, and I watched that. So together, we've watched every legitimate iteration of Carrie because the remake doesn't count. Yeah, I also found um, that Emily DeRaven was in a made-for-TV rendition in 2002, and she played Chris. Oh, what? And I found a Vimeo that was just literally all her scenes, and it was hilarious. Okay, well, I want to watch that later. Yeah, it, uh, she had, because she had to do an American accent, so... And this was like two years before Lost even started, so... That's so cute! We were kind of talking about some of the differences. So what were some of the differences we were talking about? I can't remember. Well, you were talking about how much more sanitized the musical is Mm. than, like, 
what I was observing while watching the movie. At least the version that I watched, which was the 2012 off-Broadway revival, is the one that I saw. And Mm -hmm. I was actually really messed up by the ending because I thought, like, what, what happened here? Because what happened to Carrie was was apparently from what you told me very watered down because in my experience watching the musical it was kind of just like Carrie gets her period taunt 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 let's throw some blood on her then she kills everybody see where the version I watched and I think I said like earlier but I think it might have to do with the cinematography too and the way it was shot because Within the first 10 minutes, I was horrified at how Carrie was treated. Like, she was already bullied. The girls already hated her before she even got to the locker room. Like, she was the least, like, very clearly the outcast. Then they get to the locker room, and then there's some really uncomfortable, like, 70s, like, exploitation of, like, women's bodies where it's just a bunch of naked teenagers. And I'm like, is this even legal? Ew. Like, I mean, obviously they're all the actresses are of age but i was like this is really weird um for anybody who hasn't seen slash read the story do you want to give a short synopsis of what happens in carrie oh yeah for sure um so basically it's the story of this outcast carrie who gets her period on just a random day in gym class And an act of bullying that happens to her there spirals into this big, long arc that culminates with her discovering that she kind of has supernatural powers and uh, has telekinesis, which, you know, greatly upsets her very religious mother. Yeah. And, you know, actually creates a lot of problems for her. And then, of course, she ends up at prom because all teenage movies end up at prom. Mm -hmm. And she is, you know... She's having a great time and things are going great. And then all of a sudden she wins prom king and queen. And then her nemesis, who is, I think, Chris. Yeah. um, Dumps a bucket of pig blood on her. And Carrie snaps and goes nuts and like kills a whole bunch of people using her telekinesis. And the only survivor is Sue, who was like the girl next door to the Betty. Yeah. So to, to add to that uh, about Sue's whole thing in this, uh, in this story is that Sue and Chris were best friends. And then Sue was also one of the girls who was like taunting Carrie and then felt really bad about it because that's just not who she is. And so she tries to apologize to Carrie. Carrie won't have it. And um, so to make her feel better, she knows that Carrie has a crush on her boyfriend. So she tells her boyfriend to take Carrie to prom instead of her. And so when they get to prom, they win prom king, king and king. King and queen, and thus the murdering happens. And that's what bothered me, too, is I was just like, let's kill everyone, including this dude who was nice to me. Well, see, even in um, the movie, that's kind of not how it went. Mm. Because Carrie doesn't so much, like, rebuff Sue is basically, she's been so brutally bullied that she doesn't believe that anyone could ever be kind to her. Right. So when someone's nice to her, she thinks it's a trick. And that they're actually luring her into a trap so that they can do something cruel to her. Mm-hmm. So, like, that's, like, the basis oh. of, like, a lot of her headspace is... Su- I see. So, she's she killed Tommy because she thought Tommy was in on it. No, in the movie, oh. she doesn't kill Tommy. Um, oh, what? Yeah, in the movie, actually, the bucket that the pig's blood was dumped out of falls on his head and he collapses. Oh. 
And then it's not entirely clear, like, why he was knocked out, like, other than the knock on the head. And it's not clear if he dies or not. Oh. Actually, the only people who die in the movie that she directly murders um, is, is her mom. The, well, yeah. There, well, there's the principal that she electrocutes. Oh, what? What? Um, what? What? Okay, yeah. Keep going. This doesn't happen in the musical. Yeah. Go ahead. She um she causes like the gym to go nuts. Uh-huh. Um, so she electrocutes the principal. She murders Miss Collins by like a sh- who's Miss Collins? The gym teacher. Oh, her name's Mrs. Gardner in the mu- in the musical. Oh, I thought it was Collins. It might be. It might be Gardner. Okay, the gym teacher. Um, she murders her by actually kind of like slicing her in half by a like this thing from the ceiling swinging down towards her. What the heck? That was like her best friend. Well, this is why I was wondering the difference. Oh, she also murders John Travolta. Um, Who does John Travolta play? Billy? Yeah. <laughs> okay. She, yeah, she murders um I think Chris and Billy who are in the car in a car right. and they tr- they try to run her over and she crashes the car and kills them. Okay, I saw that in the Emily Duravin clips. Yeah. So, gotcha. <sighs> What was I saying? She kills Gardener even though they were buds? Yeah, because it's not entirely clear until, like, I went on to IMDb and I was like, okay, I was right. When the pig's blood falls on her, the reality of the situation is that there's only one person laughing at her. And the rest, everyone else is horrified. But Carrie is such a traumatized person and sort of, like, a little bit unstable that she actually kind of hallucinates that everyone's laughing at her. Okay. Um. So she thinks that, like, the gym teacher's laughing at her, the principal, all of the people who were kind to her, they're all of a sudden, like, as her mother warned her, laughing at her, and they think that she's a joke, so she kills them all. But in reality, no one was doing that. I see. So so I'm, all, I'm not getting much of the story just by watching the musical. No. Gotcha. Which is kind of a feeling of the musical, because... When you apply it to Riverdale, like, Riverdale got sort of the big plot points of Carrie in there. Yeah. So I assume that, I guess that when they made Carrie the musical, they thought everybody who sees this musical will have seen the other movie, and so it'll still make sense. Probably. Gotcha. Because in the movie, by the time she murders everyone, even though you're like, oh my god, what are you doing? You're like, wow, this girl is really damaged. Yeah. Like, you can see where her justification for a lot of stuff comes from is because she's been so brutal. Like that beginning scene alone where she gets her period and she freaks out because she thinks she's dying. Yeah. And then all of these girls just crowd around her and they corner her and she's naked and they're all dressed and they corner her in the middle of a shower and just are throwing tampons and pads at her and like telling her to like shove it and like all of this horrible stuff. Like, that alone, I was like, okay, I can see why this girl snaps. Yeah. Yeah, literally in the musical... So I was watching that, though, and I was like, that's Cheryl. <laughs> yeah, literally in the musical, it, ha- it like, happens, and you don't even see it. They just, like, talk about it, and then they all come out, and they're like, oh, my God! And then they, like, laugh at her after she comes out, and that's, like, it. So that's why when she, like, killed everybody at the end, I was like, um, for what? It sounds like they erased, like, the vulnerability of that scene. I think yes. At least the one that I saw. Which is... Which is, like, the beginning scene made me wildly uncomfortable because of the nudity. And, like, I don't mind nudity, but it was, like, these teenage girls. And it was really exploitive. Like, like slow pans up their bodies and, like, everything was out. Because, like, it's the 70s, right? So, mm-hmm. full everything. Um, but it was genius in that during that taunting scene, Carrie was at her most vulnerable, which is soaking wet, naked, cowering in a corner everyone around her has all of their clothes on yeah and it's really genius that's mortifying i can't even imagine yeah that that's why i was like okay like i get it 
because it was like your worst nightmare. And then of course, everyone in the school finds out that like, not only did she freak out, but that she got her period. So they're all laughing at her as she's waiting in the principal's office. The principal knows she can hear everyone talking about her. So I'm kind of disappointed that that didn't transfer over to the musical. It's funny because I was watching the musical and I was like, oh, I have so many like meta thoughts about this. And I was like, but your podcast isn't about this. (laughs) I know. I was like, oh, I have so many thoughts about Carrie. But Carrie's plot line is basically Cheryl's entire plot line of the show. Mm-hmm. Like, and she even says bit- in it, she says that she mm-hmm. was dealing with some Carrie-like demons. Yeah, she was absolutely born to play Carrie. She wasn't wrong. Mm-hmm. You know, other than, like, she has far more self-esteem and self-assurance than Carrie does, but, you know, her home life is pretty, like, pretty damn similar. Should we start talking about the episode? Yeah. Okay, so I didn't cut this up into pieces. They're, like, the storylines within were so minuscule that I figured we could just go through chronologically. Okay. Okay, so at the beginning here, Kevin asks Jughead to document the um, rehearsal process and such. They're going 70s glamour. And, like, throughout the entire second watch... Uh, that I did today, I was just like, this is all evidence. They're going to go frame by frame through this. Mm -hmm. And I know it because there are moments where like, he's like filming things and I'm like, they're going to talk about that later. There's a specific moment at the end that I texted you about that I know that they're going to bring up next week. But how are they going to use any of that footage when it looked like it actually came out of the 70s? True! Oh my God, what the (laughs) heck kind of... (laughs) I was watching the episode and I was like, is Juggy actually using a camera from the 70s? Like, why is this? Like, they were trying to make the footage look like it was like, you know, documentary footage, but they made it grainy. Like, such terrible quality. Um, Like, I'm I'm really wondering if that's going to come up later. That they're going to be like, um, this is garbage. (laughs) Yeah, they're going to be like, oh, this is unusable. So Archie's doing push-ups and reading his lines. Veronica's reading her lines. Betty's... Can't relate. Betty's looking at her script and at first the first time I was watching it I was just like oh my god they're just singing randomly oh this is glee and then I noticed the second time that the script that she's looking at is literally the beginning of the song she's about to sing so I feel better about it I mean duh okay okay (laughs) chill out (laughs) that was like unnecessarily mean (laughs) um I'm so sorry so what they're singing is a song called in and it is the opening number so it makes sense mm-hmm. everyone's got their librettos librettos you know this word i no, i don't know it's that a word. theater term this is my moment okay i'm like if um, we were talking about band stuff i'd get it so yes yeah, so the libretto is the big book that you have that has the entire script and all the music inside okay and uh if you write in it you have to write like really faint and you have to erase it afterwards because you have to give it back to because you usually rent it from places okay and uh, or you can photocopy the whole thing a whole thing but that usually takes like forever and a lot of paper so i mean or you could just get a downloadable pdf and print a bunch of them at kinko's i was never given that option okay <laughs> okay i mean it's 2018 okay um okay so then yeah they're all in cheer class cheryl and tony and midge are all here I just keep thinking about the girl who plays Midge. I think her name's Amelia. And it's just like this whole episode they were shooting and she was like, I know I die at the end. Yeah, but what a role to get. Yeah, true. I'm just sad. Because you know you know me. At the beginning of this season, I was like, oh, there's Midge. I love Midge. I'm so excited to see her. Yay. Oh, no. Did Midge die? No? Good. Well, that's the thing that I found myself like actually upset about. I was like, crap. Now in the Archie canon, Midge is dead. Midge is dead. 
And Midge is a he like Moose and Midge is iconic. Iconic. I'm gonna be so messed up by Moose next episode. Yeah, oh. like uh, Moose and Midge to me is like they were always the steady couple in the Archie universe. Those two were like goals. Even I mean they had their problems, but goals. Yeah, no, like they were really cute, and especially in the comics, yeah. like because I grew up reading those yeah. comics, right? Like it was always Moose and Midge. Yeah. And so when they so had I'm, Moose in season one, I was like, where's Midge? And they, like, mentioned exactly. her once, and then she showed up in season two, and I was so excited. You're, it was kind of like, oh, finally. Okay, like, the universe feels complete now. I can't believe Midge is dead. It it doesn't make sense to me, but we'll get there. Yeah, I'm probably going to cry about it later. Okay, so. As, as much as I actually did enjoy this episode, I hate the Midge thing. I would say that I enjoyed parts of this episode, but ultimately, I I don't think I liked it. Oh, interesting. I think I, th I really enjoyed it. I just had, like, so many problems with it that, like, ultimately, even though there were some parts that I really enjoyed, mm -hmm. I would say that the bad feelings outweighed the good for me on this one. Okay, fair enough. So it's like a tentative boot, you know? Okay, <laughs> I think from now on, though, we should toot or boot the episode. <laughs> we should boot and toot every episode. <laughs> Okay, so for those who don't know, Toot and Boot is from Fashion Photo Review, which is a RuPaul's Drag Race recap, fashion recap YouTube series by former contestants Raja and Raven. And they toot a look if they like it, and they boot a look if they don't. And then they shoot it if they super like it. Mm -hmm. And then I think in the latest episode, they blessed it when it was just so bad. Oh. Oh my god, I've never, I haven't. You didn't watch last I week? I haven't watched it yet. They blessed Dusty Ray Bottoms. Oh. Yeah. Oh, Dusty. Yeah. <laughs> um, Any so, anyway, so. that's what we're going to be doing from now on is I toot this episode, but you're going to give it a I'm boot? I'm going to give it a boot. Okay. Yeah. Okay, so um, Fred has offered to help build sets, and clearly Archie has not told him about the car, um, which we'll talk about later. I just want to say from the bottom of my heart that Fred Andrews is a very good man. I would, I would be inclined to agree. Yeah, absolutely. So then Ethel yeah. and Kevin are singing, and for some reason, like, I was able to find, like, reasons why they're singing for most of it, but then, like, why are you doing choreo right before your meeting? When did you learn dude, this? <laughs> dude, I need you to just suspend disbelief and think of this as an episode of Glee. But he, like, even because even on Glee, they'd be like, I'm on stage. I'm singing because I'm in Glee Club. Hello, we are here. But, like, why are you doing choreo? No, they wouldn't. Sometimes. Most of the time they would. Dude, literally one of the most cringeworthy things I've seen in the entire world is an unnecessary musical number where they mash up Let's Have a Kiki with a thanksgiving song i remember that one it's just in an apartment there's no reason for rachel to be singing and the let's have a kiki part not bad <laughs> but the rest of it okay brutal. all right i'll move on then but no this is what i'm saying though is if riverdale were a musical it would be glee yeah fully like it's that level of like cheese-tastic R riverdale almost is a musical they sing so often low-key yeah yeah. Which I support. I like, I mean, when you got a cast like that, go for it. We have Fangs, who's assistant director. I just want to point out something about Fangs. I love Fangs. Okay. But this mm -hmm. whole episode was out of character. Okay, Fangs doesn't have an established character, but go on. Um, I know his character. I feel him in my soul. Just because you have headcanons about this character doesn't mean that's the <laughs> No 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 no
no, 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 no. I don't think so. Okay, what? Okay, every time that we've seen Fangs, he's just like brooding next to Sweet Pea, brooding, brooding, brooding. He's like almost always brooding unless he's like with Sweet Pea and they're having like fun boy time because they're best friends or he's like looking down Kevin one time. Wow, I need you to never say the phrase fun boy time at all. <laughs> They're just having fun boy time. Fun boy time. And like he's That's what you that's what you tell your parents when you don't want them to know you're going to hook up with your boyfriend. <laughs> I mean, not me specifically, but some people sure. No, gay dudes. <laughs> yeah, you know what I'm gonna do when I'm a teenager is I personally, as Brittany, I'm gonna go to my mom and go, I'm gonna go have some nice boy time. I feel like that's just like them going to a spa. I'd have been shot on the spot. Oh my god. Fun boy Fangs time. and sweet pea in a spa. Aw, someone write it. Um, anyway, it's what they Fangs is like always <laughs> brooding. Every time we see him, he's like almost always brooding, unless he's like chilling with his bro. And this Fangs is like, hello, it's me. It's Drew, the guy who plays Fangs. That's him. Do you follow him on Instagram? I do. His Instagram stories are hilarious. That's him. That's not Fangs. What what's his Instagram username? Oh, I will give it to you. Thank you so much. I think it's just I think it's just his name. Drew Ray Tanner. I sent I sent you a thing on on Instagram. Oh, that was his is. Instagram. So many things make sense now. I was like, who is this boy? Yeah, Drew Ray Tanner. It's Fangs. Okay, okay. So you think that Fangs was out of character? I, I disagree on account of we don't know who Fangs is really, but I do. Okay, <laughs> so I know who Fangs is. The people I follow that follow Drew Ray Tanner, Skeet Ulrich, and Robin. <laughs> <laughs> Well, clearly you don't follow Jordan Connor. No, I don't. He plays Sweet Fang. You just said Sweet Fang. Did I really? Yeah. He posted a picture of Skeet and he he tagged it King Cobra. And I'm like into that aesthetic. <laughs> King Cobra. Anyway, I'd love to talk to him because he's lovely. Oh, but we don't claim FP anymore. Yes, we'll we should actually because I want to hear about Fangs. So anyway, Fangs is the assistant director and he's here being like a stereotypical gay. And I'm not sure why or where that happened. And now we're going to go around the circle and we're going to say who's playing who. I have a thing. Uh, what's your Are thing? you ready for my thing? <clears throat> I'm, I'm, I'm just thinking about how stereotypical our people are. Keep going. So uh, in January, the whole Riverdale thing released the cast bios for the musical that goes in the program. Mm-hmm. Here's what they say, okay? All right. Archie Andrews. Who's she's going she's gonna to read to me. She knows how to read. I'm an, I went to school for reading aloud. Oh, my God. Archie Andrews, Tommy Ross, may be making his theater debut in Carrie the Musical, but it's certainly not his first stage performance. Archie is an avid musician and singer-songwriter excited to be exploring his thespian side. He would like to thank his girlfriend, Veronica, for always being there, and his dad, Fred Andrews, for helping build the con- and construct the sets. Okay? Sounds normal. He would like to thank his girlfriend, Veronica, for always being there. I remember when this came out and I was like, they're still together? Are you kidding me? How many episodes has it been? Break up. <laughs> They're never going to break up. So anyway, that sounds normal. Now we okay. have Betty Cooper, Sue Snell, usually spends her time as Riverdale's foremost teen journalist, but between news stories, she is thrilled to be part of Carrie the Musical, performing alongside her mother, Alice Cooper. Congratulations to her longtime best friend, director Kevin Keller, for realizing his vision, and much love to her boyfriend, Jughead Jones. Hashtag Bughead Forever. Sure, definitely a modern-day teenager wrote that bio, for sure. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, definitely not a middle-aged man wrote that. Totally. Yeah, no, totally. And you know what? Every teenager refers to themselves as a teen journalist. (laughs) It's true. Okay. Veronica Lodge. 
Chris Hargensen was born and raised in New York City mere blocks from Broadway and was bit by the thespian bug at an early age. Her previous roles include Evita in Evita, Velma in Chicago, and Maria in West Side Story <gasps> at Spence Prep School. She would be a great Velma. She is excited to make her Riverdale High stage debut in Carrie the Musical. She'd like to thank her parents for their love and support of the arts. Doesn't thank Archie. <laughs> Roasted. Okay, that sounds normal, right? Here's the one that oh, I have oh. problem with, okay? Okay. Reggie Mantle playing Billy Nolan. Why did we change this? Wait. Reggie Mantle is not playing Billy Nolan. Chuck Clayton yeah. is. What's going on here? Did they just do that oh. to, because it's going to be a spoiler that Chuck was back or what? No, I, they must have recast that at the last second. Because here's here's what it says. Has chosen to grace the stage with his immense talents for song and dance. He would like to thank his father for allowing him to skip some shifts at the dealership to rehearse and his mother for the pizza rolls. I'm a mad dog whose only concern is winning, Charles Barkley. Okay, that sounds like what an idiot teenager would write. Yeah. But also, Reggie wasn't in the show. So don't know what's up that with that's that. A, I don't know. That sucks because actually I think Reggie would have made a great Billy. I think so too. Because I'm not really, I'm more interested in Reggie than I am in Chuck. Well, I'm actually quite interested in Chuck. Mm -hmm. um, just because I'm really invested in, like, Chuck's rehabilitation. Because I think, like, enough black men are made into villains. Sure. So I love that, like, they're trying to do better by Chuck. Having said that, though, Chuck definitely didn't fit that role. Yeah, agree. Um, Cheryl Blossom, Carrie White, is OMFG excited to play the cult icon and titular role in Carrie the Musical. She would like to thank the cast and crew for their love and adoration and send a grand... What is this word? B-I-S-O-U-S. -S. I don't know what that means. B-I-S-O-U-S? Yeah. Isn't that French? I have no idea what that means. We're Canadian, but that doesn't mean we speak French. Yeah. Is that a word I should know and hear? I don't know. Uh, hang on. I'm going to Google it. B-I-S-O-U-S. Bizu? Bizu. That reminds me of Hamtaro. Bizu, bizu, little kiss. Aww. Friendly kiss. Aww. Uh, it is French. Okay, great. Sends, and sent a grant bizu to redacted. So it's Tony. <gasps> now, now we know. Oh, she thanked her girlfriend in this... In the cast bio. She dedicates her performance to JJ with love and remembrance. Follow her on Twitter at Cheryl Bombshell. Okay, I love a fish who will promote herself. <laughs> Hell yeah. Alice Cooper, Mrs. White, is making her grand return to the stage in Carrie the Musical. After dedicating her life to journalism and family, Mrs. Cooper is happy to take some time for herself and dive right back into theater. She got her start at Riverdale High. She's excited to be sharing this experience with her daughter, Elizabeth Cooper. Mm, doesn't sound very alice to me. Yeah, agree. Jughead Jones, The Beak. Who's The Beak? What's The Beak? I have no idea. Would like to dedicate this to the freedom of the First Amendment and his father, F.P. Jones. Oh, The Beak might be slaying for the documentary. Yeah, that makes sense. But to the freedom of the First Amendment and to his father? I, I love that the Joneses have come so far. I love that Archie that and Betty are like, we love our S.O.'s. <laughs> and Veronica um, and Jug are like, meh, to our parents. And Alice is like, I love my kids. <laughs> Um, did you look up the beak? <clears throat> or are we just assuming? Yeah, 
Judges are called, uh, judge or magistrate is called the beat. Okay. Um, Josie McCoy, Miss Gardner, is a local pop star and former frontwoman of the legendary band Josie and the Pussycats. Josie is happy to be helping out her classmate Kevin by lending her vocal prowess to carry the musical and is humbled to be stepping into a role once played by in the inimitable Darlene Love. Josie's self-titled solo album is tentatively scheduled to drop on iTunes in late 2018. Love and support to her mother, Sierra McCoy, for all her love and support. Why would she say love and support to her mom for all the love and support? Twice. Hmm. Okay. Anyway. Tony Topaz. Norma is super stoked to be part of a legitimate extracurricular. She is looking forward to seeing Redacted, so Cheryl, give a sick performance and would like to thank the cast and crew for all their support because apparently that's what people do in these things. Okay, so if Cheryl has a Redacted and Tony has a Redacted. Yeah, we should have put this together. (laughs) It takes like, it takes like no math. Ethel Muggs, Helen, is a theater veteran of Riverdale High and is very excited to finally be playing a character with a name and in her favorite horror musical, Carrie the Musical, no less. Congratulations to her Carrie family and many thanks to Kevin for taking a chance on her. Love you, mom and dad. Oh, that puts Ethel in more context here. right? Yeah. Kevin Keller, director, is beyond ecstatic to finally share his vision of Carrie the Musical with Riverdale. As a lifelong fan of musical theater, it's a dream come true for Mr. Keller to be making history at Riverdale High with such a, with such a transgressive production. He'd like to thank Stephen King, the writers of the musical, his incredible cast and crew, and Idina Menzel. Hashtag defying gravity. Okay, only a true gay <laughs> would think Idina Menzel, so I'm going to give that one a pass. Uh, Midge Klump Ensemble, a featured player in the Riverdale Community Theater summer program for the past two seasons, is over the moon to be a part of her first production at Riverdale High. Midge would like to dedicate her performance to her boyfriend and literal lifesaver Moose Mason. Love you forever, baby! I mean... Great. <laughs> Moose Mason Ensemble is a linebacker on the Riverdale High varsity football team. Go dogs! Growing up, he learned to sing by listening to and imitating his dad's old Sinatra records. He never thought he'd do a musical, but now that he's ditched those crutches, he's ready to hit that stage. Aww. And that's all of them. Those came out in January. Wow. Yeah. So the Choney spoilers were actually really, really yeah. obvious. <laughs> okay. So, uh, yeah, Archie's playing Tommy. Uh, Betty's playing Sue. Veronica's playing Chris. Cheryl's playing Carrie. Ethel and Josie are pissed about this because I guess both of them wanted to play Carrie, question mark? I guess. Uh, but Josie would have been a great Carrie. Yeah, but what's weird is that, like, Kevin literally, like, came to Josie, I think, in, like, Tales of the Dark Side? Or- no, 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 no. It wasn't that early anyway he literally said oh oh it's when josie was trying to tell him about the affair but he was like oh i'm directing carrie the musical i would love for you to be in it or whatever like i wonder if he was like maybe you could play carrie and then when cheryl showed up he like bumped her Mm. what do you think i think i don't know if anyone would get bumped for cheryl Mm. just because i don't think kevin would give up like his artistic vision for cheryl But I do think it's weird that Josie would be playing, you know, not a minor role, but one that is not as central. That's another problem I have is that, like, who's playing the mom? Alice comes in and Kevin says that he finds it really um, amateur to do a, like, non-age appropriate casting. And I'm like, please explain Josie to me then. Yeah, Josie's the gym teacher. The gym teacher and the moms are all, like, the same age. So, hmm... Upset. So I don't know. Chuck shows up. I, though I did like that tongue-in-cheek reference to the whole yeah. show. <laughs> Chuck comes in because he thought rehearsal was in the music room, and it's like, aren't you supposed to be Reggie? But okay. And he's trying to <laughs> reform his image, even though he's playing the villain. He's hoping to change people's minds. Okay, so now that we know what this is, like that's a pretty thin excuse for having Chuck there. Yeah. Okay. 
So, okay. So now Archie and Betty are playing lovers and Jughead's watching. <laughs> Archie's like, hey, cool. We're playing lovers. And Jughead's like, mm, hello. I know what happened before. <laughs> I'm going to be right here, though. <laughs> and then Betty's like, Veronica lied to all of us, Archie. Blah. Okay. I just, I don't know how to feel about this other than I kind of think that Betty forgave Ronnie way too easily. I fully agree. But that she... But that she also spoke really horrible things about someone who's supposed to be her yeah, best friend. Yeah, and in front of everyone. I would never talk. <laughs> like, I just, I would never do that to someone that I care about. And even if you are having... Unless it was my sister, but I'm allowed to roast her. <laughs> and even if you are having, like, problems with somebody, uh, talk to them. Well, I mean, sometimes you need to talk it out with a friend and stuff, but, like, the stuff that she was saying about... Ronnie, like, even the stuff that she said to Ronnie is kind of borderline, like, unforgivable. Yeah, yeah it wasn't very nice. Um, but remind me again, like, what's Betty's main beef with what's going on? Just that she didn't know what Hiram was doing? Um, I think it's just that she felt manipulated because, like, Veronica, because her parents were doing terrible things. She kind of made Betty a part of it by asking her to be a running Yeah, mate. and, like, I can't remember if Veronica, like, specifically said... No, I don't know. Like, I have nothing to do with that. But she was, like, behind the scenes doing things anyway. Okay, so, you know, if someone manipulates, like, if your best friend kind of messes with you like that and doesn't tell you things, but also puts, like, one of your really good friends in danger, aka Archie, with the stuff, then, yeah, she forgave her way too easily. Veronica, you mean, or Betty? Betty forgave Ronnie way too easily. And I still, I think Josie forgave Cheryl too easily as well. I also agree. Um, So they're going to start at the top of the show, but then Cheryl decides that she needs to prove herself. So she starts singing Carrie, which is the second number of the show. I have problems with how Madeline lip syncs. Oh my God. I have such problems with this. Every time I watch it, it's so upsetting to me. I don't have problems because I understand that it's TV and that you can't do the same stuff in theater that you can on TV. But Robin is a theater major. So she has different opinions. Dude, like, but you're an actor. And if your character is supposed to be singing live, sing like l- sing like you're singing live. If I was doing that, I'd be singing along to the track they're playing. So it looks like I'm actually singing. But it's possible that the director it's possible that the director told her not to do that. Ah, oh, that's so uh, I hate it. My the biggest one is like when she's singing with Josie and she like hits a giant note with a straight face. You got to take a breath for that. That that takes strain. I should see that on your face. I'm upset. Anyway, Sorry. I think it's very much, I mean, like, especially on Riverdale, it's all about the aesthetic of the way things look. Well, it looks stupid. So Cheryl has to look. I'm sorry. It looks really (laughs) stupid when she's hitting this huge note. Like, it makes sense if she was up in her head voice, but she's not. She's, like, belting this note with a with a regular face. It, it looks dumb. I'm sorry. It looks dumb. Do you want to tell me, like, really quickly what the hell a head voice is? Oh, so, like, <laughs> a belt is here, but a head voice is here. Right? So, like, a belt takes way more effort. Does that make sense? Oh, okay. So, sort of chest versus throat sort of thing? Exactly. Exactly. Gotcha. So, like, if you're singing up in your head voice, it takes a lot less effort and you're just kind of singing. And you could do this with a straight face, but if you're doing a belt, it takes some effort. Does that make sense? Cool. Yep. Okay. <laughs> Sorry. Um, anyway, it looks dumb. Thank you. Thank you for coming to my TED Talk. So she sings her song yeah. and Tony is there standing and clapping because she's supportive. She's a great girlfriend and I love her. I just like relate to Tony in so many ways. Like I feel like she's really level-headed and everything. But like if that was me, I'd be like, girl, sit down. <laughs> what are you doing? Why? 
She's so dramatic. Yeah, good point. I'd be like, um, you're being way too dramatic right now. Like, the fact that Tony's like, yay! I'm just like, what happened to you? Tony's so dazzled by Cheryl. So then a sandbag falls. We're still so far. We're so, like, we got through so much. So little of the what episode for almost an hour and in. This is going to be a long what one, is, and I think people are going to know that. So What is wrong with us? We have a lot to say about this. We thought it was going to be so short. I know. So the sandbag falls, and so, like, the black hood is literally up there, question mark? <laughs> And I think about that, like, they could look up and be like, hey, who's that? The Phantom of the Opera is there. Like, what's going, like. (laughs) Literally all any of them had to do was look up. Like, the part that really bothers me about this is that they're just like, um, this is a prank, right? And you're like, yeah, it totally is a prank. Because as if the Black Hood cares who plays who in the heckin' musical. But, like, it was the actual Black Hood, I guess. But, like, why does the Black Hood care about, like, this is, like, the thing that I was wondering I was watching the episode when they were, like, oh, the threats are coming from the Black Hood. I'm, like, oh, which one of the kids is stupid enough to think the Black Hood would, like, do that and impersonate him? But, no, it really was the Black Hood caring way too much about a musical. Like, I'm just trying to, I'm just trying to figure out, like, how this makes sense in my brain. Like, did the Black Hood was, like, oh, cool, they're doing Carrie the Musical. So, so they go and meticulously look at like everything that happens in the in the musical and they figure out exactly when the person who's playing Carrie is going to be alone on stage or like alone backstage like where they're supposed to be which makes sense because they're going to be like in the closet wait what wait I just had a thought the black hood doesn't want to kill Cheryl right why well in the note at the end it said that everybody who has escaped me will die and Midge escaped him in the second episode or third episode or whatever but the black hood's entire mo is that he kills sinners and i mean cheryl what has cheryl done other than a a little bit of incest i don't know she burned down a house that's true and she sent pig hearts yeah she sent josie pig hearts and all right through illegal parties okay that's fair i mean that's a good point so like i don't have an answer but this is the thing is like why would the Black Hood spare Cheryl in order to kill Mitch? And, like, so adamantly spare Cheryl. Exactly. Like, like was so determined to kill Midge that they he, like... Because I think at this point, like, it, it's definitely a dude, right? Yeah. Yeah. Like, I know that that's always been, like, low-key established, but I think it's, like, now it's high-key. Well, the other thing is, it's just, like, let me do Sheriff Keller's job for him. And let me just say, Sheriff Keller, if this person put notes in your son's locker, check the security footage, my dude. And also, fingerprints. Fingerprints. Like, who was signed into the... Actually, no, but we have established that anyone's allowed to waltz into Riverdale. True. Where is my forensics team? Oh my god, I don't think they have the budget for that, dude. I think they should... (laughs) Fred's like, as mayor, I will have a budget for a forensics team so that people will stop getting murdered. And everyone should be like, oh! Please (laughs) stop committing crimes. That's a great, (laughs) great point. Fred's entire platform is just like, I won't commit crimes. Hiram's is like, or Hermione's is like, we're going to bring more criminals to the town. We will commit more crimes, but they will seem nice to you. Eh? Whatever. That's just modern day (laughs) politics, actually. So, uh, anyway, so Black Hood's out there, whatever. So Kevin gets this note. It's from the Black Hood. It's a prank. I wrote down exactly what the note said. I wrote down what both the notes said. Hold, please. You? Paying attention to detail? It's a sin that Cheryl is playing the role of Carrie. Fix this mistake or suffer the consequences. The Black Hood. This is interesting wording, actually, now that I'm looking at it. It's It's a a sin. sin. 
was Kevin next just because he cast Heck and Cheryl? Like, I wonder if Cheryl had stayed and if he couldn't kill Midge, he'd be like, well, it's a sin, Kevin, and would have killed Kevin? Why is um, it a sin? I'm confused. It's a, it, I think because that's the, how the Black Hood has to word it in order to get right. what he wants. Oh, I see. So it's like, I'm getting sinners. Kevin, it's a sin. And Kevin's just like, ooh, don't want to be a sinner. Yikes. Because, like, how else do you frame it, like, so that you put Midge in that main role? Right. But also, how the hell did the Black Hood know that Midge was the... Was the understudy. No one else knew in the cast. Oh my god, it has to be Keller then. Like, Sheriff Keller? Yes. Because who else would Kevin tell that like that Midge is the understudy? What the heck? No. It ha- No, but it has to be. It has no. to be. That's the only thing that makes sense. How would Chick know that? How would Hal know that? How would Fangs know that? And Keller was backstage. Kevin was the only one. Yeah, Keller was backstage. And no, Keller, no. What? What exactly did Kevin say when he picked the understudy? Can you? Do you have the episode in front of you? Uh, no, but I have the um. Oh, Netflix, duh. I have the um. What's it called? The transcript. Hold. Okay, sweet. Find exactly what Kevin said about Midge being the understudy. Okay, uh, find understudy. In the meantime, Cheryl's understudy will assume the role. Understudy? I appointed one after the sandbag incident. Midge! So, after the understudy incident. After the, the sandbag incident. What, what is Fangs' job? He is the assistant director. Okay, so Fangs would know? Yeah. And Dad Keller yeah. would know. And, Ke- and Kevin, obviously. Kevin. <laughs> so, that's it. But here's the thing is that Fangs was sitting beside Kevin in the audience. I'm pretty sure. Almost certain. And Fangs was with Midge. Yeah. I had it right, right before. Before and it looked Ooh. like they were up to something. But my theory with that is that either they were cheating, which I don't actually think it is, or that Fangs is Midge's dealer. Mm. And it's a misdirect. Yeah. Because I think it almost certainly is because then we see Moose being angry and it's like, oh, infidelity. Yeah. But like... She's the one yeah. who's just like, isn't one of them gay? And Fangs has been so stereotypically gay. Like, I wonder if he, what if he was like, uh, put like pushing that because Mitch has said, ooh, I think Fangs is gay or whatever. And Moose is like, oh yeah, probably. And then Fangs like shows up and is out of character being like, I'm super gay today because I'm having an affair with your girlfriend. And I'm so, just so you know, I'm still gay. Let's just call him by and live our lives. Yeah, I was going to say, we yeah. call him by. Um, okay, no, but I, I, tr- I think this is it though. You think it's Keller? I think it's either, it, it has to be, like, if you look at all of the evidence presented so far through the entire season, it has to either be Fangs, who was there and would know that Midge was the understudy before it was announced, because ever anyone who was trying to persuade the recap, this doesn't make any sense. Here's, like, the thing. Why would they do the sandbag, then? Why would, <sighs> well, like, also, Keller clearly isn't the guy who's been in the mask so far. He, because he, and Keller killed the other guy. He could be. Killed Svensson and was like, that's the Black Hood. Yeah, what a convenient way to, like, turn all attention off of you is if you kill your, because we basically agree that Svensson was being. Yeah, we know it's not, we knew Persuaded. Yeah. But. He was being manipulated But Archie would be able to tell if it was. No. And also the Black Hood on the phone to Betty said that it was someone she knew. And she went to Keller and Keller was just like. And did Betty know Fangs at that time? They hadn't come to the school yet, but she might have through Jughead. But I don't think so. So I truly think we've narrowed it down to two people. I I think it's And the guy was too big to be Fangs from what we saw. But I also. 
But it also wasn't the build of Keller. And I know that they, like, obviously didn't know it was Keller at the time, but, like, Archie would have been able to tell if it was Keller. But I have been saying the entire time that I think that Archie is an unreliable... That it might be more than one people person. ...narrator when it comes to his story. Yeah. That he's going to find out who it actually was and be like, oh, I misremember that whole time. <laughs> no, I truly think that's going to be it. I think that's a convenient way to sidestep, like, not having it figured out beforehand. Yeah. Okay, so anyway, we're not even halfway through the episode. I know we're not halfway through the episode, but I feel like we just solved, like, the biggest mystery of the season. Yeah. <laughs> Which means that if it's Tom Keller, the Black Hood has been sleeping with Sierra the entire time. Josie's gonna be like, ah, a murderer in my house. Oh, but this makes perfect sense, though, because if the Black Hood knew about Fred and Hermione and punished them, why wouldn't yeah. the Black Hood punish Sierra and Tom unless he was one half of unless- Sierra and Tom? Ah! Right? Oh, no! And he's deliberately left Josie alone, too. Dude, I literally love Tom Keller so much. And by extension, has left Cheryl alone. And Kevin, who also is a sex-crazed maniac, apparently. Well, he's never gonna hurt his own child. Exactly. But that means that he sent notes to his own child. Yeah. But again, this could all tie back to my theory, which is that the Black Hood is an organization instead of a single person. But I think that's, like, honestly... That's too deep a thought for this show, so... Well, also, like, this whole thing with Ethel in the magazines. Oh my god, I really do want it to be that she had a vision board. (laughs) She's like, it's for my vision board. It's like, don't you know how... Maybe... Oh wait, but she doesn't know about the... Only Kevin, Jug, and Betty know about the letters. So, because I feel, feel like if... Ethel knew about the letters. She would not have those if, if it wasn't actually her. Because she'd be like, oh, that's suspicious. I should probably leave those home. But how could Ethel possibly be... Unless the Black Hood really is dead and Ethel was impersonating the Black Hood just to serve an agenda, which is possible. Well, Ethel was there when the sandbag dropped. So it definitely wasn't her for the sandbag. Right, and that was the thing that set off everything else. So it's not Ethel and that really was just a misdirect. Yeah, I think that's the truth. Or it was Ethel just doing the letters and then the Black Hood somehow, because Kevin got the letters and told his dad about the letters, and he was like, oh, I'll run with this, and then killed Midge. But why would he do the sandbag in the first place? Oh, yeah, that, that's still not answered, the sandbag. I think the sandbag is kind of like a, a, a little continuity error that's probably never going to be, like... Like, what if the sandbag was just an accident, and then, and then Ethel, since she was there, was like, ooh, I'll run with the sandbag, put that into the thing. Like, because, because what, I feel like someone did look up and was like, what? But it could be, it could be low-key Phantom of the Opera where, like, you don't see them. Yeah. Okay, so, but I, tr- I, I think we've practiced is either Ethel was sending the notes and the Black Hood did the real murder, but I think Ethel is a misdirect and she's innocent. Okay. Bye, all, George, we've done it. All points are leading to Keller right now. Yes. Especially because okay. we saw the back of his head. And we saw, yeah, we definitely saw him backstage. And why are you backstage? Why was he backstage? Like, is it because Kevin's like, um, the Black Hood might be here, and <laughs> Keller's like, he sure is, womp womp, but you don't know. But they, they would have said that if that was the case. What do you mean? They would have said, like, Dad Keller's back here because of the Black Hood. Oh, yeah, otherwise people would be like, why is Dad Keller back here? Gotcha. Exactly. Okay, well, let's, let's... I, like, I know his name's Tom, but it's Dad Keller. Yeah, I mean, just like on The 100, we call him Dad Miller, even though we know his name's David. Yep. Or his name was David. Oh, sorry. Rest in peace, Dad Miller. I truly am going to miss you. Dad Miller was one of the best dads. One of the best dads in television right now, for sure. 
He was a good dad. Truly. He was so supportive of his soft gay son. Yeah. Also, I saw um, that actor on a Shaw commercial, and it was the same commercial that Sachin was in. Oh, so friendship. So look up for Shaw Cable commercials. I'm going to tweet on the fictionality, so this is going to be a long-ass episode. <laughs> oh my god, I can't. We are out of control. Honestly, that's okay. And also, it's a long-ass episode, but we low-key just figured out who the Black Hood is, so... So, if anybody has any more thoughts on this, please tweet us. Yeah, because I love this mystery so much, and I know it's going to be, like, out of left field. Kind of like how dad blossom was yeah so yeah kevin got this note it's the black hood is it a prank why would the black hood care about this also jughead it's a secret jughead runs to tell betty immediately but okay okay but like that's like everyone who's ever had a best friend or significant other yeah true (laughs) like if you're telling me something you're also telling like you know at least sam (laughs) almost always me sam and claire if not sam at least (laughs) i was was literally gonna say yeah (laughs) it's you sam and claire and then my sister and my mom but she usually like she's like who are these people and i'm like oh yeah if you tell me something i tell you at least you and my mom for sure yeah well denise has been the known about everything she's one of us yeah um so then betty and everyone are gonna start singing do me a favor and that's relevant actually because i thought about it okay so what happens in do me a favor it's the second last song in act one and what's happening Mm -hmm. in it is when um sue is saying tommy will you do me a favor and ask carrie to prom please yeah that happened in the movie too which was nice yeah and um veronica's saying billy will you do me a favor and help me kill this pig so we can dump blood on carrie yeah why john travolta why john travolta why and so yeah they're just doing some choreo you know like you do uh they keep flashing to chuck yeah that was a series of weird decisions I'm like, why are we showing Chuck so much? Like, here, here's my thing. It's like they had a lot of B-roll of Chuck and they just decided to use it? Here's my thing about Chuck this episode. Like, they're like, Chuck, okay. you are absolved of all your problems. And I'm like, is he? Is he, though? I mean, I, here's my thing. I feel like... What? Sorry. Um, She's like, no, go you have it. acted like a perfect Victorian gentleman. And I'm like, you mean by doing exactly nothing? Yeah, he did the... He did the bare minimum. <laughs> he sat the there and she, like, sexy danced on him. And I'm like, clearly he's he's, like, literally blocked in the scene to just sit there <laughs> that's what i was thinking too she was like you're redeemed and i'm like on the one hand that's great like i think chuck should have a bigger role yeah. i think that he should be fleshed out i think that this show needs i love chuck i love comic chuck far more of chuck yeah i've always loved comic chuck yeah and i think that like you know a black man should not be a mm-hmm. villain on this show considering there's only like two black characters in the whole show but <laughs> the bare minimum was him not popping a bee while she was crying <laughs> on him. Like, <laughs> a perfect Victorian gentleman. <laughs> like the bar is so low for men. It takes like they could just step over ah. it. So I have done actual musicals in high school. Wow. I know, right? And so I did some musicals, and then I was like, well, I enjoyed that. I think I'll go and do that in college, and now I have a degree. (laughs) So (laughs) the fact that she's, like, sexy dancing, and I watched this musical today, and there are swearing, there's, like, a bunch of, like, sex talk in it. Uh, uh, Unheard of. No, you can't do that in high school. You cannot. I didn't even go to a religious high school. Like, I went to full-on public school. In heckin' Canada. And they said, no, 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 no. Like, I did Grease, and the fact that Danny and Sandy were allowed to kiss was unheard of. 
I think that's wild because, like, at Shep, they were allowed to do some, like, they basically are allowed to do whatever they wanted. Well, when we did, like, drama class and we went to, like, zones for drama, you were allowed to do more. But, like, when you were going on the main stage where they were like, this is the big high school show for the year, then you weren't allowed to do crap because all your parents were coming to that. Oh, yeah, fair enough. Oh, I forgot about parents. So, anyway, the fa- I, I'm watching this and I'm like, you can't do that. How, how could I forget about parents? Okay, you fair enough. But also, um, you can't do half of the things that happen on this show as a teenager. Very true. Thank you. Oh, still on the first page. Okay, so. <laughs> <laughs> so, bye. Veronica and Archie are making out. And I actually love this moment because I totally made it like a connection that was like the most obvious connection ever. Like I was like, good job, Robin, you figured something out. They just sang, do me a favor. And Archie literally goes, Veronica, can you do me a favor and let me keep the car in the garage? Thank you so much. Oh, I like went too deep with it. And I'm like, oh, yeah. After like that whole number where she was grinding on someone else, she wanted to reestablish her connection with him and like the emotional intimacy. Totally. No. But dude, that's totally real. That's totally oh, real. Okay. When you're on stage and you have to, I've never kissed anybody on stage, but I know that people who are like in relationships and they have to kiss someone on stage, as soon as they can, they got to kiss their significant other because they're just like, that has to be the last person that I kiss. That's totally a thing that happens for sure. Oh, okay. Yeah. So <laughs> that's what I can <laughs> contribute. Unless you're Lily and Cole, and then you get to kiss each other at work and off work. Yeah. Perfect works for them. It's actually so, so cute. She's like, do you want to take your fancy car to Lover's Lane? And I'm like, where's that? Why? Don't go there. It sounds terrifying. Wait, wasn't Lover's Lane low-key where Midge and Moose were when they got shot? I think so. Why do you want to go there? Don't go there. Um, yeah, I would be like, you know what isn't romantic? Going to a place where our friends got shot yeah that's me though and like fred and dude i cannot i cannot fathom keller killing grundy i can really she was a pedophile i guess but like i just that's the only person the black hood has actually ever killed other than midge now and like he went to greendale right greendale yeah and like killed her with that heckin violin or like cello bow Wait, hang on. Who else has the Black Hood put down? Just Midge and Grundy. Everyone else has been a miss. And Svensson, I guess, like, uh, if, if Keller's... <laughs> directly, yeah. Directly, if that actually is is him. But, but I remember when Grundy was killed and Archie was, like, handing out posters to, like, get the Black Hood out because Fred got shot. And Keller, like, literally got the radio that was just like, uh-oh, something happened. So it's like, good acting, bud, if it was him. But it could be at that time that they didn't even know it was Keller. Yeah, but, like, now we can look back on it if it was him, and it's just, like, good job. Yeah, it's, like, a little... Yeah. Yeah. Um, okay, okay. I, I, it, I'm actually having a harder time picturing him shooting Moose and Midge. Right. Than I would be Grundy. Yeah, because those are kids. Yeah. Those are kids who are your son's age. And friends. And and his friends. I mean, it's Moose. Does Keller know that it... that Kevin and Moose have a little bit of a connection there? Does Ke- Keller know that Kevin and Moose got together? Because we know that Keller's chill with him being gay. Like, it would make sense if, like, Keller wasn't chill with him being gay and then found out it was Moose and then shot Moose. Oh, it could be that he was pissed at Moose for... For hurting Kevin's feelings. Exactly. Okay. Anyway, moving on. <laughs> We're just going to keep bringing this back in. So the lodges are talking and they're saying, do you think Fred has an actual shot to win this? And I'm like, I do. Yeah, I, I think, think he, does, he does. And I think you guys suck. And 
Hiram was talking about how Fred is basing his whole thing on family values and his whole family has left him. And I'm like, thanks for the reminder. I guess I will cry now. Hey, Hiram, you left your whole family when you committed a series of crimes that destroyed other families. But, you know, go off, I guess. So, yeah, keep talking. Whatever. Yeah. Um, he's like, Mary's gone. So thank God, because he knows that Mary's a boss and she could take him down. I really, if I have one wish for season three, it's to have her on full time. Yeah. Agree. Fully agree. I fully need it. She's such a good character. She's so powerful. Yeah. The and fact that she scares Hiram, oh my God, bless up. <laughs> and so Hiram is like, oh, thank God Mary's gone. And also Archie's so far away from him. And now thinking about it, I'm thinking about Alice's whole thing to Betty later saying, you know, Hal is gone and me and you are so far away from each other. There's like a, just a bit of a parallel there. It's a parallel and it's also an interesting look at how even though the Coopers are dysfunctional, emotionally, they are more functional. Yeah. Because they're, like, Alice, I think, especially has learned how to open up to Betty. Mm -hmm. And so he's like, yeah, let's keep him distant then. And I'm like, you're garbage. This is like one of the worst things that Hiram has done, in my opinion. How so? Just like, not even in terms of like legality or like moral morality even but like Mm -hmm. to my heart you don't hurt fred andrews's feelings that's fair and also the fact that hermione's just like oh yeah we were a thing in season one but i don't care i'm like who are you yeah did hermione just like conveniently forget that she actually was really into fred she was so into him they were like a cute thing like i'm really glad that fred's getting a plot line now but at the same time i'm like I really need Hermione to remember that Fred was her friend and gave her a job when no one else would. Yeah. Like, she she was working at Pops. Mm-hmm. <sighs> Messed up. I just, I, I hate that this season has made me greatly dislike Hermione. Yeah. Large. Oh, we really liked her before. <laughs> we loved her. Yeah. And she was so good. She let, like, Polly stay with her and everything. Mm-hmm. So, Jughead goes and immediately tells Belle- Betty, obviously, and they think that it's fake. And she's like, what if it's not even a dude? And he's like, good point. Sexism. It's a problem. (laughs) And so then they go and talk to Ethel and they just have this debacle about trail mix and how Cheryl's the devil because she ate all the M&Ms. I I mean, an attempt was made. (laughs) And so like one of the most annoying, like I found a lot of things annoying. You know, I booted the episode. (laughs) But (laughs) the fact that Jughead is just like the least subtle (laughs) surveillance man (laughs) he didn't even crouch down and hold like the camera up he was just like i'm gonna stand right here like later archie and betty have this conversation where they're like literally having like a really important like private conversation right beside each other and jughead's literally just like turned around with the camera in their faces he's like sup guys hey guys like i don't think jughead was particularly concerned with getting caught also may i once again bring up that everyone, not I mean, not everyone, but people are like, everybody's singing except Cole Sprouse. Why is that? I've brought it up before. Dude can't sing. Yeah. And he will never sing on this show. Because the difference is when he sang, when I heard him on heckin' Disney Channel stuff, they were like, it's in your contract. You're a child. You're a child actor. Sing the song or else I'll kill you. <laughs> so now. That's how it works at Disney. I, that sounds real. And now j- heckin' Cole Sprouse is like, I'm an adult and I will not sing on your show. <laughs> absolutely not and they're like all right fair you can be the videographer what an easy episode for cole he has like four lines i know <laughs> that's amazing <laughs> he's like i am interviewing people i'm not even on 
like like knowing professional actors if like they don't have to be on set they probably won't be so those like shots of archie and chuck being like interviewed somebody else was asking those questions he did adr oh yeah of course for sure so anyway she's talking about how oh cheryl must have taken the role from you and she's like oh that's a nice thing to say that's such a nice thing to say that's so nice yeah if someone was just like oh you know what i think i think you should have been the lead role that's such a nice thing to say aren't you kind of mad that you didn't even get to audition which i have problems with she says that like who 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 auditioned because she didn't get to audition you you have to have auditions especially if it's like a school play you have to have auditions you're not allowed to just like like archie says later when kevin approached me or like came to me about that i was like yeah you didn't audition that's not how you do it mm-hmm you can't just That's not audition people because... That's how Kevin does it. What? That's how Kevin does it. No, I dis- I disapprove. Kevin should know better because this is what you do is you audition people because if you don't, you say, oh, they'll be good. And then they're crap. You have to audition people. It worked out today, but... And also, like, that's so unfair. I, I cannot... I cannot believe Weatherby was like, yeah, you don't have to have auditions. Or Weatherby just didn't care. Also... Yeah, I was going to say, Weatherby probably didn't care because Weatherby doesn't seem to really care about anything going on in that school. Also, when I was in high school, it was unheard of that a student got to direct. Oh, yeah, good point. What? But Kevin's very qualified. I guess so. Whatever. Anyway, she's like, yeah, I was born to play Carrie. So, I mean, I guess it... It does make me angry. But also, like, if they're going to use this as actual evidence, Betty full-on put that word in her mouth. Oh, yeah. Betty, that's literally leading the witness. Yeah. And so she sees Jughead because obviously she does. He's not even trying to hide. And she's like, oh, he's getting B-roll. Great. Like, top-notch excuse, to be honest. Yeah. But alas, no. And she's like, how dare you? I would never, like, threaten for my own benefit. I am not a violent person. How dare you? And yeah. honestly, when I was watching it, I was like, I can't tell if this is if you're lying or not. But now that we know that she's probably not, li- probably not lying, I can see why she'd be so upset. Yeah, but it was like if if she ends up having that she did lie, I can see it. Mm-hmm. I can see it. Yeah. Um. Okay. So snake parents, what happened? I I I guess he he panicked. Like clearly, she still thinks that it went well. Like I mean, okay. Here's the thing. It probably did go well. Did you say they did? probably had a great. Yeah, okay. I think it probably went well. They probably had a great time. And then, like, we know from season one that FP kind of has a problem with, like, emotional connections and commitment. bonds and commitment. And he saw, like, Alice assuming something that they hadn't agreed upon. Mm. Pro- and probably because he was scared because, like, he feels something for her. And it kind of feels like it did before. And last time she probably burned him or he burned her. And he's like... I can't, we can't do this again sort of thing. Reminder Which that- Which I love the angst of. <laughs> reminder that I have an entire uh, uh, Spotify playlist um, called Snake Parents Leave Him at Home. And it is uh, five hours and 21 minutes long. It has 89 songs in it. And it's uh, great for shuffling. So that'll be in the description. Thank you. It's a masterpiece. I love that Sam makes playlists and she's just like, this is a playlist you can sit and listen to. It's like maybe an hour, maybe hour and a half long. And I support that. Yeah. I love that. But me, my, mine are for shuffling. <laughs> yeah. They're, they're for like, do you need something that's like five hours long? Okay, go ahead. Yeah. There you go. Put it on whenever. What were you about to say? Sorry. I just, I think that, and I thought this when I heard about this plot line the first time, mm-hmm. um, because like everyone basically who was, saw the episode uh, I think fest. it was WonderCon. Haley Fest. Haley Fest. Yeah. Um, they leaked the spoilers. 
and someone told me about it and I still stand by this, which is I wish that they hadn't done Alice and FP in the previous episode. Yeah. Mm -hmm. I wish that they hadn't hooked up. I wish that instead, you know, something had happened with them to push them forward, but not this. Mm -hmm. So then her going back to hell adds like more and more buildup. Yeah. But instead. Rather than, it's a regress, it's regression now. Exactly. And we've missed the culmination of all of that tension. Mm -hmm. They didn't even show it to us on screen. So now we're back to going, okay, well, where are the stakes now? Yeah. Whereas with Hal back in the picture, the stakes would have been so high. Yeah. Oh. And like, it's still going to happen. Like you can tell even from the trailer. Yeah. Like, there's obviously something there, and FP is panicking, and, you know, like, I get that. he's He has problems with commitment, mm-hmm. but did it have to come at the expense of Alice's feelings again? Right. Like, hasn't she been through enough? She finally found someone who she could find comfort in, and then he turned around and burned her. I cry. I'm not happy about it. So, I love how she, like, comes in in her snakeskin shirt again, because she's like, this is how I show you that I'm on your side, because I have no other way of doing it. And, uh... Well, it's- but that's also purposeful, like, by the wardrobe department, because it it connects the viewer to FP immediately. Yeah. She uses the actual phrase high school musical, which I support. And um, she's like, hey, maybe you should come to the show. And he says, oh, no, I'm working. But he shows up anyway. Yeah, he shows up, but he had to hurt her in order to do it. Yeah. And then he leaves, and then he's not there for the murder. So that's good to know. <laughs> just in case that someone thought uh, well, I don't, FP was a black hood. I'm, well, also, first of all, that. And second of all, like, he's seen enough terrible dead things in his life. He doesn't need to see this. You know, protect him. That's true. And then she talks about how she thought that their kids were going to make the same mistakes, but it turns out that they're the ones who are making this mistakes again. And I'm like, oh! oh. oh. <coughs> Tell me everything about their past. I need to know! Like, what happened between them? When was Chick conceived? Like, tell me everything. Like, I love the core four, but I would kill off all four of the core four to know their backstory and get a whole show about them. Yeah, yeah. To be perfectly honest, I would. Yeah, 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 yeah. Agreed. So now we have the Josie and Cheryl thing, and they're singing Unsuspecting Hearts, which is the uh, song right before the last song that they they sang. And it's about... um, Basically, the gym teacher is talking to Carrie about how there are about like she should go to the prom because like it's dudes are good or something. It's like you can in the movie. It was basically she should go to the prom because she needs to be more social and it like hang out with her peers. And it's a very sweet and tender. Yeah. Yeah. The song is basically saying like um, you can find love and it's a good thing. This is what I experienced. Um so you should do it. <laughs> and so, yeah. uh, it you know, the song's about friendship and it's good. And she's like, oh, I guess I'll fake it or whatever. And she starts to sing, but then Cheryl stops her because she's just like, what the heck? And Kevin's like, um, only I can say stop. And I'm like, that's fair. But also, if you have problems, you're allowed to stop. That's fair. But also, does he know who's on his cast? <laughs> yeah, you're allowed to stop if you actually have a genuine problem. Oh, okay. By the way, like if it's just like, um, I don't know where I'm supposed to be. No, you guess. But if it's, like, a genuine actual issue, then you can stop it. Um, Okay. So she's basically saying she's sorry and that she really messed up. And here's where she does her, like, super unrealistic singing. That's, like, the moment that really bothered me. Where she just, like, starts singing and literally does a belt note and is just standing. (sighs) Anyway. Okay, but what do you think about the scene? 
I think that just because she says, hey, just so you know, I'm sorry, and I'm not that person anymore. I need some I need some cited notes in MLA format. What? I need some cited notes in MLA format. Oh, yeah, yeah. I, you can't just say that I'm not the person anymore. Oh, big mood. You, uh, what? You, you can't just say, I'm sorry I sent you a pig heart and threatened you. I don't do that anymore. Show, show me, show me the receipts. You sent her a pig heart and threatened her. She can't, you can't just sing a song about friendship. Those are things that you did. And then hug. No, mm -mm, no. No. There's so many things that are unrealistic about this scene, and that is one of them. And it's like, I adore Cheryl. Like, I think every part of Cheryl is fantastic, and I think that her sending Josie the pig heart was wildly out of character in a really weird way to introduce her bisexuality or her homosexuality, you know, whatever she identifies as. So, like, I guess I'm glad that they wrapped this up. Whatever. If they don't talk about it again, then fine. Yeah, like, I feel like that the whole storyline was a mistake. Yeah. So, yeah, if they, if they, if this is the end of it, fine, put it away. I just want it to be known that I'm not happy about it. Whatever. So, Hiram comes in and he's like, hey, I noticed the car is downstairs. Sup? And Veronica's like, oh, yeah, he just hasn't told his dad. So, whatever. And Hiram's like. Okay, cool. Womp. Hmm. You know how we've talked about how Hiram and Hermione, like, never say I love you to each other? But he, like, always calls her my love in Spanish and such. He called her another thing in Spanish, which I had to look up because I don't speak Spanish. And he calls her my soul today. (gasps) What? I love (laughs) that. There you go. Okay. I'm super. That made me squishy and soft (laughs) inside. Um, But anyway, they're garbage. I know they're garbage, but they're also kind of cute. Um, so now we're going to sing The World According to Chris, which, to be honest, is my favorite song in the show. I agree. It is also my what favorite song. What a bop. Song. Top notch. Very pleased. It's it's stuck in my head. Yeah. Me too. And so that <laughs> uh, song is in the middle of Act 1. And okay. I just think it's... I like this whole thing about the lyrics about her father and how he always yeah. taught her, like... Uh, that being nice was going to get you nowhere and such. And so I think that's very relevant. Mm -hmm. Um, I did feel like a lot of the songs in here were kind of just like looking at the songs. What story can we craft from this? But a lot of them, like some of them did make sense. Yeah. Um, I feel like Josie literally only got cast as Mrs. Gardner because they were like, yeah, that can be their um, apology song. Their makeups. Exactly. So then, yeah, we have Betty and Chuck and she's doing her dance or whatever. Fangs is so happy in the background being like, this is great. And she's... T- I'm Fangs. <laughs> and she's talking about how the costume is helping her and everything. And Betty's talking about how, oh, it's so typecast. Like, you're spoiled, you're rich, you have daddy issues, and you're controlling everybody. Whoops. That's you. Yo, I could never speak to someone that I care about that Me way. Me neither. Even, like, if I was really upset, I, I you can't go for someone's throat like yeah. that. Because they'll never forget it. No, and she does. Not, no I, one, I, no one should have forgiven anyone in this in this episode. No, like I just some of the stuff that Betty and Veronica do to each other is really upsetting. Yeah. Just because I don't. I mean, if you do speak to your friends that way and you guys are able to get over it, like more power to you. I just personally could never do it because there's some stuff that, like, you know, there's some triggers that you just cannot step yeah. on. And she just hit all of them. And then we have this other another shot of Fangs being like sad about what just happened. I'm like, all these shots of Fangs are not going unnoticed by me specifically because I care the most about him. But also like, <laughs> just like they're inserting a bunch of shots of Chuck, you know, they're like, look at this character is important. Here are some shots of them. We got coverage of this. Here it is. <laughs> there you go. Um, so Archie goes to confront Betty and is like saying, you know, Veronica's doing her best. Like, leave Veronica alone. 
I'm torn between being like, yeah, leave Ronnie alone. And wow, Ronnie kind of deserved that because both she and Archie have been garb. <laughs> They're so like, everything's so morally gray over there. Like the only person who's like genuinely <laughs> like actually morally in the right somehow is Jughead. <laughs> At least in the core four. Like, that's so confusing. Like, actually, like, they're trying to frame it. Like, all of them are good people, but they're all doing terrible things. Like, so so it's very confusing, but when you really boil it down to it, like, it's Jughead. It's Jughead, yeah. right. Did you think we would ever speak that phrase? <laughs> I did never, I never thought that we would record this long about Riverdale. I'm going to be genuinely honest. I know, I'm like, I'm like starting to flag. I'm like, okay, we gotta, we gotta do this. I never expected to have this many thoughts. But here we are. So Betty's like, okay, well, just tell me what she's doing because I want to let this go. Like, this is like kind of eating me up inside. Please tell me. And Archie's saying like, mm-hmm. you know what? It's not mine to tell. Which fair. Totally. Mm-hmm. Yep. Okay. And. But also don't bring it up. if True. Like- <laughs> oh my God. What a piece of crap. <laughs> like you personally would go nuts. Yeah. I can't tell Robin a single thing. I can't be like, ooh, I have a secret or ooh, I have a present for you because Robin's the kind of person where if I tell her that, she makes me tell her or otherwise she will actually get upset. No, like what? Why Why are you teasing me? That's not chill. Just don't tell me you have a present. That's <laughs> <laughs> what I'm saying. Robin doesn't like to be teased or titillated. She doesn't like trailers. No. Like for things that are in the future. She is an immediate gratification human yeah. being. And I think that's, I think that's an okay way to live too. No, I yeah. think that's fair. But, like, Archie's saying, remember episode 205? And you did some garbagey things, so... Right? Uh, I mean, he's not wrong. But also, like, this is just, like, another monologue by Betty saying garbage things to not be friends with Veronica. Except last time, it was because she her everyone was literally being threatened. And this time, it's just because she's kind of mean. Yeah, so, that's true. And so, Archie's like, who really needs to play those characters, huh? Who's who, really? And I'm like, no, I think I think we're good. <laughs> Yeah, no, I think I think it was cast yeah. fine, except, you know, Ronnie's not mm-hmm. a murderer. So now they're singing You Shine, which is the second song in Act 2. And she starts singing it with Archie because that's, those are the actual characters who sing the song. But then she they kind of morph it to be about Betty and Veronica, which I like. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm fine with um, that. So Betty's saying that she's sorry and, you know, they're singing together. And Veronica is like, no, I agree with all the things you said. Which, like, no, don't feel, don't, don't do that. But Ronnie's self-loathing, that's very in character for her. Yeah, that's true. And so Betty's like, you know what? No, I was wrong. And I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. What if you were yeah. both and wrong? And so they start to sing together, and now they're friends again. Eh. I mean, I'll roll with it. Yeah, whatever. Put it away then. There's some <sighs> things with this show you're just like, okay. So then, yeah, they're building the sets. Hiram comes in and reveals the car. And literally he starts revealing it, and Archie's like, um, can you not? And he just keeps going. And Fred, oh, this part hurts my feelings because even though Fred doesn't know about the car, he's like, oh, has he taken you for a ride? And Fred's like, yeah, it's really nice. Like, because he doesn't want to tell Hiram, oh, you have a car and you didn't tell me? Like, he doesn't, he's been so sad. It was a, it was, it was a power play to force Archie to choose between them. And it's garbage. And so Fred's upset and he's like, I didn't like raise you to be this spoiled and garbagey. And it's like a really big deal to me because I wanted to like go and to the junkyard, like we did, like I did with my father, and get a jalopy. And I'm like, oh, the word! They used the word jalopy! Dude, I'm so, 
Let's, like, what's the one thing that I've wanted for two seasons now? The jalopy. The freaking jalopy. When they had the scene afterwards where he's like, I bought a jalopy, except he didn't use the word jalopy. I was like, hello, this is your moment to use the word jalopy again and change my life. Exactly. But, like, I can live with it. Like, I'm going to be fine. I hope they call it the jalopy again. Thank you. I hope they do, too, because I just, first of all, great word. Second of all, it's Archie, like, lore. You know? Yeah, like Archie and his jalopy, iconic. Yeah, it's it's an integral part of the comics. Yeah. And I have the world according to Chris stuck in my head. <laughs> so, anyway, Alice is on the phone. She's, like, leaving a voicemail for Chick because he won't answer her calls. And, you know, she regrets what she did. And I'm like, girl, you were totally right to send him out. Alice, I would answer your calls. Call me. Yeah. <laughs> Kevin gets another note. Uh, this is your last warning to replace Cheryl next time the sandbag won't miss the Black Hood. But, like, getting hit with a sandbag is so much different than getting stabbed by- Wait, I wrote down the exact number of knives. Seven knives! Oh, yeah, that's, um, from the movie. Seven? Because Carrie had, um, in- You know how she was talking about how she could come out of the closet? Yes. That's where her mother locks her when she's punishing her, and inside that closet is a little Jesus figurine that Carrie has to pray to, and it's crucified with seven knives. Oh. So at the end of the movie, Carrie crucifies her mother with seven knives. Oh, it was different in the musical. Yeah, I'm starting so, to think the musical was nothing compared to the movie. So she got put in the closet, and the Jesus figurine thing happened. Mm-hmm. They didn't talk about the seven knives, though, or anything. But um, yeah. at the end, she just like stops her mother's heart using telekinesis. What? Yeah. She just stops her mother's heart. After, like, her mom stabs her because she thinks she's, like, the devil or whatever. She's a witch. Yeah. Her mom stabs her, and then she's gonna stab her again, and then she, like, puts up her arm and stops her mom's heart. You can hear it, like, over the speakers. And she just, like, slumps down in the chair. This thing is not poetic at all. (laughs) Like, in the movie, she gets crucified, actually, in a door frame. So that you can see, like, the breadth of... I mean, it's horrifying to watch, but um, you can see, like, that she is in the figure of Jesus. And then the Jesus figurine is actually the last thing you see of Carrie and her mother because Carrie burns down her house with the power of her telekinesis and they both die. Carrie dies? Carrie dies, too? Yeah. Like, in a... Oh, after being stabbed. Yeah. No, no, no. Carrie... She stabs Carrie. Yeah. Carrie falls down a flight of stairs. Her mom follows her. She's about to stab her again. Carrie telekinesis... Um, crucifies her mother. Her mother dies. Carrie's so horrified of what she's done that she actually pulls her mother off of the wall. And it's like, it's like she loses control of her powers and the house collapses in on itself and then it sets itself on fire. And she drags her mom into like that little prayer hole area covered under the stairs. And the last thing you see is like Carrie sort of collapsing dead as the hell falls around them and the Jesus eyes glow. <coughs> yeah okay so in the musical sue <laughs> sue is at the prom and she notices the pig's blood so she goes to mrs gardner and she says mrs gardner something terrible is gonna happen and mrs gardner's like i knew you that you guys had done something and she like pulls her away and doesn't listen to her and then yeah same thing happens in the movie okay carrie kills everybody at the prom like literally everybody at the prom and sue doesn't die because she wasn't there and then after carrie gets stabbed she kills her mom, and then Sue runs in, and it's just like, Carrie, are you okay? And then Carrie dies in Sue's arms, and then the whole thing is like Sue being like, talking to the police, and she gets arrested for being an accomplice. 
Oh, <laughs> and the movie the movie ends with actually it's so much better. Um, Sue, like you know Sue's mom is she in the musical? Uh, no. Oh, okay. Well, like Sue's mom gets established early as a character um, that Carrie's mom visits and tries to preach oh. to. Um, and then at the end, it's you see her at Sue's bedside, and she's on the phone and stuff, and Sue's having a dream. And in the dream, Sue walks up to a cross that is also, like, the for sale sign, and then it says, burn in hell, carry white on it. And she goes, she's in, like, this ethereal white gown, and she goes to lay flowers on the grave, and Carrie's hand, that's all bloody, like, emerges and grabs Sue, and Sue wakes up screaming. And her mom holds her and like the whole like implication is that Sue is like, I guess the only survivor or one of the survivors has like nightmares about what happened. And the movie ends on Sue sobbing. Oh my God. Yeah. Okay. They're so different. They're really different. I mean, you know, this original Carrie won like two Academy Awards. Shout out to Stephen King. He's, he does a great job for himself. Stephen King enjoys the hundred. Yeah, yeah, I know this. And he likes all the right characters, unlike William Shatner. <laughs> uh, so they have to recast, and Kevin tells Cheryl that they have to recast, and Cheryl's like, I would rather die. And I'm like, honestly, genuinely, if I was playing the lead of something and they were like, we need to recast you for your safety, that would be a real hard decision. Like, genuinely, I'd be like, well, do I get murdered or do I show everyone I can sing? <sighs> Robin, no. That's going to be a hard one. Like, genuinely, I'm not even kidding. <laughs> like that'd be like oh get a sandbag on me or mm. like watching somebody else do the lead role while i'm in the audience no no yeah you're a sane person i'd rather die i like what if you just didn't go oh uh, you have to uh, okay anyway so penelope comes in and she intervenes and she's like you don't have approval to be here and um she's like you're like she kills the mother in the play so hard no on that one And it's sad for Cheryl. I'm sad for Cheryl. I'm definitely sad for Cheryl. So they're in the circle and Kevin's like, unfortunately, we have to recast Cheryl. Fangs puts his hand on Kevin's shoulder. Kevin brushes him off and he's like, okay, what is going on? Gay? Question mark, question mark, question mark. Gay? I don't know. Gay? Not gay? gay? Not gay? Both? Tell me. I think think it's an indicator of um, Kevin's frustration. Yeah. And Kevin's not a very touchy-feely person either. This is just so, like, I love this Fangs because I love Drew. But this isn't the Fangs that we know. I mean, I don't know if, like, again, like, I I don't have... Go rewatch season two and you will see, okay? (laughs) Okay, I don't have, like, a basis for Fangs, so I'm just gonna go with you on this one. Like, Fangs at the beginning is the one who's just like, let's do a pipe bomb. Let's have a kiki. (laughs) And, And Sweepy's like, good idea. We are serpents. And then they're like, actually, we like the serpents. And we're like, oh, never mind. Forget about the bomb. So uh, Tony runs away because he's like, I think she's under the bleachers. Tony's like, cool, I'll go there. And they're like, hey, the understudy is Midge. And Moose is like, yay. Yay. I mean. Um, please don't kill off yay. Moose. Yay. I really hoped it would be Ethel. Yeah. Honestly, I would be less sad if it was Ethel, to be honest. Oh, um, you were hoping that Ethel would be the understudy. Yeah. Um, I was talking about the murder part. Okay. I'm just I'm just more connected to Midge on a comic level than I am to Ethel. And by that I mean like the comics, like the the reading material. Can you just like uh, Shannon Purser needs to be employed, okay? Just leave her alone. No, I mean I support Shannon Purser. (laughs) 
I'm sorry. Okay. Anyway, moving on. That was so funny. <laughs> I miss Midge. You think? Um, so Tony and Cheryl are having a conversation. They're saying, you know what? Need, you need to stand up to Penelope because even Carrie stood up to her mom. I'm not the same girl who burned down Thornhill and cut off her oxygen. I'm like, literally, that was episode 201. How long has it been? Like a month? And Okay, but literally also, Tony knows that Cheryl burnt down a house and she's like, yeah, that's hot. And I'm like... And cut off her oxygen? She's like, sweet drama. But like, even as I'm saying it, I would also think that was metal. Can't relate. Can't relate. Like, if you're like, hey, I burned down a house, I'd be like, cool. Can't relate. And so she's like, you should play Carrie again. And she's like, cool, I will. So now they're going to sing Stay Here Instead, which is the um, fourth song of Act 2. And it's when um, Cheryl's like, I'm going to the prom with Tommy Ross. And she's like, no, stay here and we'll do whatever you literally ever want. It's chill. Just don't go there because um, terrible things happen at the prom or whatever. And so she's basically saying, here are all the things we could do instead. And she's like, I'm gonna go anyway because a cute boy asked me. I mean... Her mom's horrible, so I support her yeah. and she's valid. Um, Alice cries and she says Betty instead of Carrie one time and she's talking about how everybody leaves her. I'm actually really glad that we didn't actually see, like, the full production because I fully could not handle seeing, like, Majin murdered. Right. Because she's too beautiful and ethereal and mm-hmm. wonderful. That's all I had to say. But also, let me just say that I watched the 2012 Broadway, not off-Broadway revival. So if... The musical could have been different if it had been, like, I don't know, on Broadway, not the revival. I don't know. Okay, so fair. if all of these, like, crazy inconsistencies, they might have been different. I'm not sure. Just saying. Yeah, that's a good point, actually, because, like, it, tours are different from the original, but they're not that different. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe. It's not, it's not like touring Hamilton is different from regular Hamilton. No, it's still got the turntable and everything. See? Give me your thoughts on Alice uh, in this scene. Um, I didn't have a lot because even though... Even though I actually really love Emotionally Vulnerable Alice, and I love that she was channeling her emotion through song, I was absolutely cringing the entire time. Well, here's the thing, is that (laughs) Machen has said that she's not really a singer. No, I wasn't cringing at Machen's voice. I think Machen did a beautiful job. It was the idea of the scene that was making me cringe, which is, you know... Oh, yeah, in front of everybody? uh, Yeah, her slipping and saying Betty's name and then singing to Betty. I was like, oh my god, this is like... I can't watch this. The secondhand embarrassment is, like, too upsetting. But actually, I thought Machen had a pretty wonderful voice. Yeah, I mean... Like, she's not a trained singer. I think she did a great job. I think... Yeah, for a, fil- for a film actor, totally. Absolutely. Yeah. Me, I'm a film... Ma- I'm a theater major. And so I'm just sitting here thinking, like, if you're going to cast somebody outside of the people you're allowed to cast, you gotta pick a powerhouse. Just, like, director-wise. True. But in terms of, like, suspending disbelief, I'm glad they went with this because I wanted to see this Alice. So (laughs) Kevin's like, am I directing a train wreck? And I'm like, yes. Yeah, yeah, you are. And so Betty's saying, Mom, I'm not leaving. And she's like, I've driven everybody away. Like, I gave Chick away when he was little. And I literally just gave him away again. And also Hal is gone. And I'm like, good to both? And also no mention of Polly. (laughs) What's a Polly? Polly and also my two grandchildren. Meh. Listen, listen. San Francisco. Uh, I always forget that Alice is technically a grandma. That's so wild. <laughs> and so Betty's like, oh, I have to help my mom. And I'm like, okay, have fun. I love their relationship. I love how far it's come. I love that no matter what, they're going to be there for each other. Like, I feel like <laughs> that murder really bonded mm. them. <laughs> Not Midge's murder. Yeah, I know. I know. 
But also, she's always just like, oh, my mom is always so sad. And every time that she helps, it's like, if things go terribly. Like, last time she was like, my mom's sad. I'm going to bring in this terrible cam boy. I'm going to go find my brother. Into our house, uh, who's going to make us murder somebody. This time she's like, my mom's sad. I'm going to bring back my terrible father when she's finally trying to be in a healthy, happy relationship. Like, Betty, have you tried flowers? <laughs> yeah, right? <laughs> So the programs... I mean, I feel like Betty would get it right more than Hal would. (laughs) True. And so the programs come in and like top-notch art on the programs. I loved it. And... But also you can't just have the word playbill above it. You can't just do that. I'm pretty sure that's like trademarked. You can't just do that. You can't do that. Stop. Who's who's going to ride on you? Who's going to do anything about it? No one. Me! So then there's a Hermione ad at the bottom, or on the back, which, fine, whatever. Fred comes in, and he's still helping, and Archie's like, what? And he's like, what, you think because we had a fight, I'm just going to give up on this whole play? Because that's not chill. And I'm like, I support you so much. I wish Archie had absorbed any part of those lessons that Fred obviously taught him. Be more like your father. Like, he's just like, I'm not my father. Well, you should be. Yeah. That's a trope, and you should be like him. He's better than you. Know you know how it's like, it's not your, it, it's not my dream, dad, it's yours? Yeah. Archie, live your dad's <laughs> dream and not your own. Exactly. Just be him. And so Archie's talking about be- how everyone sees him as Tommy. Like he was given the role of Tommy because he's just like him. And he uses, he's that loyal, Tommy is loyal, selfless. He's like a beacon of good. And he's like a hero. And that bothers me. Archie says, like, no, I'm none of those things, which I agree. It's it's the fact that he's calling Tommy, like, a hero and, like, these great things. Because the Tommy that I saw, you don't become a hero just by taking the weird girl to prom. Especially because, like, even though he did end up actually really enjoying himself, he had to be persuaded into doing it by his girlfriend. Yeah. And he was a little reluctant. And he was so he's, reluctant. He's not a hero. He's not a hero. He's just a nice kid. Yeah. Like, I get that he's, like, a good person. But, but it's also not, it's not selfless to go and, like, do a nice thing f- and, like, it just bothers me that he thinks that it was such, like, a grand gesture to hang out with this girl for one night. Yeah. That bothered me. Anyway. Uh, so Archie gives back the car and he says, Hiram, no, because my father will always win over you. And I'm like, where was this boy? What boy? Archie, where was this boy? Heard- no, this is oh, what I'm saying. Yeah, exactly. What boy? Never heard of He's him. He's like... Oh, my dad will always win. Since when? Since 201? Because that was the last time you showed any kind of affection for your father, Archibald. Literally, he didn't have this realization when Hiram was, like, running against Fred and slandering him. He didn't have this realization when he was cutting chains off of Jughead. I'm like... This is the thing? Like, honestly, I feel like Hiram is, like, taking back the keys and being like, um... This makes no sense. Harm's like, this isn't in character. So Alice and Betty are eating salad. Also, salad on a plate? Uh Uh-uh. Okay, what is with you and salad on a plate? Why would you eat salad on a plate? That's so hard to eat. Put it in a bowl. Like a big bowl. Um, I have eaten salad on a plate and in a bowl, and I don't have a preference that is overly strong for either. Why would you eat salad on a plate? Anyway. Salad on a plate. Stupid. Try it in a bowl. If you've never had salad in a, like, a deep bowl, do that. What are you doing? Anyway. They're like, oh, we're too nervous to eat anyway. And so Hal shows up with flowers, gives Betty the smaller one, and tries to give Alice the big one. And she's like, I'm allergic to peonies. How would you possibly know? 
Wow, it's almost like they're not supposed to be together because they don't know anything about each other. Like, literally, that's a huge deal breaker for me. If if he's like, Alice, we can get back together. I'd literally be like, you don't know what I'm allergic to. That's like, number but one. But at, at the same time, the terror of being mm. alone makes people make decisions that you wouldn't otherwise if make. FP? And she was just rejected by FP. If FP didn't be a butthead to her earlier... She'd be like, no, Hal, I got a different dude. Bye. But because she feels like yep. she's a, she's been um, um, rejected rejected by everybody, mm-hmm. she's like, whatever, this person isn't rejecting me, even though he's trash. FP I- set it up so that she would go straight back into Hal's arms. <sighs> Annoying. Okay. So then he's like, I want to come home. No more secrets. And she's like, okay, well, I have something to tell you then. Betty, go away. And I thought, oh my God, she's going to tell him that she slept with FP. And then she's like, Chick isn't your son. And I'm like, okay, but whose son is he? <laughs> right? And here's the thing is that Hal isn't even like, I know, right? He's like, oh, I always thought so. So you didn't even know for sure and you were still a butt to him this whole time? Exactly. You were such a piece of crap. Like, that's literally all the evidence you should need right there to be like, you're not meant to be with me is you were mean to our our child that you thought might be yours yeah. and you were still an asshole. Hal is not a good person. Tell me one redeeming thing about Hal. Mm, nope. Um, I'm, tr- I'm like really trying. I mean, I guess he's nice to Betty. Yeah. Like remember but, that time you know, when like he was like working on the car and Betty was having a conversation. We thought Hal was like, okay. Back in season one. Oh, man. We were so young and stupid back then. Mm-hmm. And we thought Keller wasn't the Black Hood. <laughs> um, remember two hours ago when we thought Keller yeah. wasn't the Black Hood? So then Betty's, like, listening. And I'm like, okay, but, like, I get it. Because, like, I would probably also do the same thing. But, like, your mom asked you to go away. And you said okay. Um, You are not a good snoop. Yeah, she's a bad snoop. But I would literally do the same thing. So I fully relate. Yeah, I, yeah, I would... I would fully, someone would be like, go away and I'd be like, hey, great. I'm going to go around the corner and listen to every single thing that you do because you told me to leave. 10 feet away sounds good. Yeah. Like, moral, mor- morality wise, don't do that. Personally wise, like, same. Yeah. So Alice is kind of like, yeah, sure, whatever. So Archie gives, like, he's like, hey, I got this old car. From Junkyard Steve. I love how Junkyard Steve is like a little Easter egg now. <laughs> he showed up a couple episodes ago. Junkyard Steve is my friend. And now we're just going to keep talking about Junkyard Steve. And there's like such great music. I love you, Junkyard Steve. Such great music in the background of this. It gave yeah. me feelings. And I, Fred's just like, cool, I love grand gestures. You're back in. Um, But what doesn't give you feelings? Hmm. True. Yeah. They can be all over like the spectrum of feelings, but they're definitely there. Yeah. Um, You have a lot of them. Yeah. Oh, I went to school for feelings. I'm going to beat you up. It's true. You went to school for every... uh, Yet, when I say you went to school for drag, you said no. Well, I didn't think about it that way, but now... I I, I didn't know what... Well, the thing is, like, I don't (laughs) have... I broke it. I broke it. I broke it. (laughs) Nobody else in my class went to school for drag except for me. Um, That just makes you, like, all the more special. I don't think... Thank you so much for coming to my TED Talk on my favorite drag king. Me? Aw. Yeah. Oh my god, what's your drag king name gonna be? Probably still Robin Banks. Oh yeah, that really is a universally yeah. good one. Um, so then they start singing A Night We'll Never Forget, which is the Act 2 opening, and it's about like the prom and stuff. Um, Sheriff Keller's back there. We see him multiple times. 
Yeah, we figured out why. So we figured out why. We have Kevin and Moose. They sing a whole thing about like getting laid or something. Midge is there. This is the part that made me cry earlier today. By the way, that wasn't in the movie. What? (laughs) Like the dudes all expecting they're going to get laid. (laughs) Yeah. Anyway, the part that made you cry was Midge getting really... Just getting like ready even. Why? Well, like... Wait, do you want to talk about it or do you want to not talk about it? No, I'll talk about it. Like, you explained it better, actually. Oh, yeah. Well, what I said was that it upsets you so much because theater is your safe place and something horrifying and traumatic happened there and you had to watch it. Like, that just shouldn't happen. Yeah. First of all, like, where's your stage manager? Where In a show that size, you should have two assistant stage managers and they should be on either side. They should be in stage left and stage right. So what's going on here? Wait, was that maybe Fangs' job too? No, because he was the assistant director. That's totally different. Okay. Oh, okay. But, like, the fact that she's, like, the way that she dies is so brutal and so, like, horrific. Stupid. Yep. And, like, I couldn't imagine being, like, her parents. Oh, God. Like, it just, like, how did this happen? And seeing her, like, I'm just so... She find, she got to be the lead, you know? She got mm-hmm. to be, she was so excited to be the lead and she was getting ready for like her big debut and then like this happens to her. And so just seeing her like getting ready and like hanging out with everybody, like with the foresight knowing that like in like maybe an hour, she's gonna die. It's really messed up. It's really messed up and it really like hits like where I live and it's like so upsetting to me. But I mean, like, it's totally valid for that to be upsetting because your whole life is about theater. And, like, honestly, this is going to be a weird, like, connection to make. But it kind of reminds me of this, like, all of this drama that's happening that happened with Logan Paul recently. Where he kind of just, like, broadcast that dead dead body Mm -hmm. all over YouTube. And that's another problem is that it's just, like, when people die, you try and keep it, like, private. And so that's... Oh, yeah, it's exploitation. That's another, like, really horrific thing that happened is that they, like, put it out in front of everybody. And now everybody, like, all the people in the, in the audience are now going to remember that forever. Yeah, this stuff, like, not only in-universe is traumatizing, but <sighs> is very graphic and unnecessary because, like, the last thing that we needed to see was a woman being punished for just being herself. And, like, being in a relationship, like, like Midge was punished for, like, you know, like, under doing drugs and underage sex. And, like, really? Most teenagers do that. Yeah. Whatever. It's, it's unbelievably, like, it's so flippant, but it's just unbelievably lame. It is. It sucks. You know? You know, yeah, like, like, you know, we, we... We've kind of said, like, a, all of the, like, big words that we can say, like, horrific and, and, and things like that. But it just sucks. Yeah, it does. This is garbage. Like, yeah. I get the um, symbolism. And I think that story-wise, you know, it's cool, I guess. But it just sucks also. And especially when it's, it's very polarizing. When we live in a world where women are often fridged for either you know, a man's storyline or a flip lip or like for shock value. Yeah. Which is exactly what this is. Yeah. It was for shock value. It wasn't, yeah. for, it wasn't to push the plot ahead. Cause you can push the black hood plot ahead without crucifying Midge. Yeah. 
And I mean, it's going to be upsetting either way because women being murdered, it's just, you know, it's, it's not the tea. Mm-hmm. And it's not for me. And we don't want to see it because it's 2018 and I think women have suffered enough. <laughs> um, yeah. So I just, I don't know. Like, I'm gonna obviously going to keep watching because I have to know what happens next. Yeah, and it's our job. Yeah, it's our <laughs> job. And, like, I enjoy the show and I can compartmentalize these things. But yeah. I don't like it. Yeah. Yeah. I would say this is one of the one of the big things that makes it a boot for me. That's fair. You know, I really liked, according to Chris, and I liked most of the singing. I liked some of the things that happened, like with Fred in the car. Like, not not the sad things, but, like, the good things and the fact they used the word jalopy and everything. But yeah. when I combine all the things that made me feel gross or cringy or sad, it's just not enough to eclipse the good. And that makes perfect sense. So Cheryl is in the iconic Carrie pink dress, and she's got, like, the blood and a candelabra because, of course, she does. Um, is I there a candelabra her. in the movie? No. Okay. That's just for, for dr- drama then. Oh, well, why not? And she's like, this blood is Jason's and it's dad's blood and you're the one who gets it next. And Cheryl will kill Penelope. You know what? I actually think this is a great decision. Um, yes. I think that because we know from, I'm pretty sure it was last episode, that Penelope said to Josie and Tony was in the room. So Tony probably had like, you know, she said, this was kind of her idea. Penelope said to Josie, I was a little bit afraid that she would hurt you. And if she's being truthful about that, Penelope sure as heck can be afraid that Cheryl will hurt her. Oh, absolutely. So I think she's going to take this seriously. I think it's a very real threat. But I also think at the same time, like, I love Cheryl's choice to be emancipated. Yes, when she's like, I want to be emancipated. I was like, genius. Yeah, like, good. You should be emancipated. Beautiful. That's... That's absolutely what should be happening here. <sighs> Incredible. Lovely. And so she's like, you know what? Thornhill is just going to be for me and Nana. Me and Nana are going to live here. I'm so glad that they're remembering Nana Rose. <laughs> I love that. For the longest time, I we mean, were like, where is she? Yeah. I love that. I love that, like, that's what she, like, chose to do. She's like, okay, I'm going to save me and I'm going to save Nana Rose. Yeah. I think that's so sweet. Because Nana Rose really had a big part in saving her. Yeah. From from the sisters. And like Nana Rose has been, you know, low-key a little bit garbagey a lot of the time. Yeah. But it's clear that whether or not she's garbagey, she's important to Cheryl. And that's yeah. really all you need to know. Mm-hmm. At opening night, Hermione is like giving out pins, you know, shaking hands and stuff. FP shows up and Alice calls for Hal. Bro, this is a no-no. What? In so many ways. What? You do not... Open the curtain. You do not come out of the curtain. You go backstage or you come out from like a side door. You do not come out of the curtain. What are you doing? Okay, but I would like to say one thing in rebuttal. Okay. It's Alice and she's allowed to do whatever she wants because she's an angel. I'm so sorry, but no. <laughs> that, no, I, okay. Okay, absolutely not. <laughs> All right, fine. That's a, that's a rule. Okay. If I was Kevin, I'd be like, bro, get back in there. I know you're my <laughs> friend's mom, but no, ma'am. Where, are, once again, where are the stage managers? I feel this is like terrible. they don't exist. They have to. And I have a reason why in a, in a couple minutes here. Okay. Anyway, Alice has made a grave mistake and I'm upset. So FP sees that she's with Hal and Alice says to Hal, did you bring it? Don't know. We, we don't know. Don't know what she was supposed to bring. Yeah, actually, what was it? Yeah, don't know. But either way, FP leaves. Coward. Doesn't even see the show. 
<laughs> He's like, I bought sorry. a ticket. <laughs> no, sorry. I'm so mad at him. I do not want to talk to FP. FP is canceled to me right now because mm-hmm. like you rejected her and then you had the gall to feel bad when she did exactly what she like had to do. <laughs> Go away, FP. It's because my thought is just like, dude, you don't have that much money. You can't afford to buy a ticket and not see the show. <laughs> Stop it. <laughs> <laughs> but that's also like true. So it's like 10 minutes to places, I think. And Fangs is in with Midge for some reason. Yeah, what's up with that? Giving her last minute notes. Sure. Um, okay. I think it's that he's either her dealer or her... Ugh, the word lover bums me out unless it's between the words meat and pizza. Wow, when did you come up with that one? Um, when 30 Rock aired. Alright, alright, sweet. Because I stole it from Tina Fey. Thank you but, for telling me, because I would have thought that you were way cooler than you are. Oh my god, I can never give you that impression. Come on, man. <laughs> Um, but yeah, no, it has to be one of those two, right? Like, what else would he be doing in there? Yeah, Fangs isn't... Fangs didn't kill her, obviously. No. He was in the audience. Yeah. And also, I love him. So, no. (laughs) I swear, if it turns out that, like, heckin' Fangs and Sweet Pea are evil, I'm gonna, like, call somebody. Why would you say something so horrible about Sweet Pea like that? Why would you say that? I know, I know. That's why I'm like, if that happens, I swear. Like, they... I... I can't even fathom how they would make that happen and how that that would be realistic at all. But I would call somebody and I'd be like, "You've made a grave mistake. I'm I'm going to send rotten eggs to your door. What is your address?" I support it. So <laughs> there it is. Anyway, Fangs is in with Midge. God, you're so valid. Don't know why, but you know, at this point, I'm not really at liberty to theorize because I just I don't have enough information. And uh, Kevin, for some reason, is really pissy, and I don't know why. Like. Because usually when it's like, hey, 10 minutes, 10 minutes, like, first of all, that's the stage manager's job. And second of all, you know, you usually go, okay, good luck, everybody. Yay. All right. Here we go. Rather than being like, hey, 10 minutes. What are you doing? You shouldn't be there. Blah, 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 blah. That's the stage manager's job. I feel like it's job. pretty obvious that Kevin is doing all the jobs. Yeah, that's true. Then we go into Ethel's dressing room. May I just say, people don't get dressing rooms. When oh, I was, yeah, where are you? When I was in... Where are you going to get dressing rooms? When I was in high school... All the girls got a huge dressing room. All the boys got a huge dressing room. When I was in college, there were like six dressing rooms downstairs, but you still had to share with like three or four people. You don't get you don't get your own dressing rooms in high school? Yeah, but it's Riverdale High. It's supposed to be a small town. What's yeah, going on? Yeah, but there's a weird amount of money at Riverdale High. <sighs> anyway, you know I'm right. They should not have put them in the theater show. I am here to talk to you for two and a half hours. <laughs> <laughs> about all of the inconsistencies. I went to school for this. Anyway, Ethel's dressing room. I have room. a basketball game tomorrow. <laughs> Ethel's dressing room. Jughead goes in there. Magazine clippings. It's for her vision board. What's on her vision board? I mean, keep it in. What's, what's it on might there? might What's on there, Brittany? Oh, what else is on Ethel's vision board? Oh mm-hmm. my goodness. Okay, obviously a picture of Sissy Spacek. Yep. Um, I feel like the logo to Stranger Things, just for fun. Yeah, 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 yeah. She definitely um, has a barb pop. Yeah, barb pop. I gotta go um, back and see if she has a barb pop <laughs> in her dressing pattern. room. Can you imagine? Oh my god. I would love that. Me too. Um, I'm gonna say a picture of Sailor Moon, because I feel like it's where she gets her style mm-hmm. inspiration from. Yeah. Um, a lot of pattern problems, because Ethel's pattern situation yeah. on her clothing is just very upsetting. Veronica um, tried to give her clothes. She wouldn't take them. I, yeah. Or maybe she did. I can't um, remember. What else? Like, what other edgy things? Like, honestly, like, she probably shops at Hot Topic on, on her off time. Same. I get it. 
Yeah, I also shop at Hot Topic, but only because they have drag queen merchandise there. So don't judge me. Who did we say that Kevin's favorite drag queen was in 206? Adore? Kevin's favorite drag queen would not be Adore. I can't remember what we said. If anything, it would be someone bitchy, so it would be Bianca. I can't see Kevin being a Bianca person. Why? I don't know. Because you are, and you're not Kevin. It's true. Yeah, but I'm in love with Bianca because of reasons that I don't even know how to explain. But do you think Kevin likes Alyssa? Oh, honey. <laughs> yes, it's Alyssa. It's Alyssa. Okay, anyway, not relevant today. So, uh, for some reason, Moose is really pissed off. I feel like this is a red herring. Um, I, I feel like, it. yeah, it's definitely a red herring. Like, it's not like Moose did it. No, for sure, no. And also, Moose is going to mess me up next episode. I will cry. I will full on cry because Moose and Midge. She's going to be so sad. I'm going to cry now. Moose and Midge, and Midge dies in such a terrible way. I swear if Moose is just like, whatever, I'm mad at her anyway. I will be. Robin, that fully would not happen. It heckin' better not. I can't if that happens. No, it fully would not happen. I can't. Okay, that's good. I like to think that Cody, who plays Moose, would not allow Moose to not (laughs) cry. Oh my god, Moose is gonna cry, okay? It's gonna be okay. okay. I I will also cry. I don't have to work so I can watch it live. I'm pumped. They're saying, you know what, Chuck, you're our friend now for some reason. And um, Chick shows up. Because I guess he got Alice's um, phone calls but never answered like a butthead, even though she cried on him. And he's like, I wouldn't miss it. Really? And she's like, okay, well, you're not really allowed backstage, so maybe you should go. Which, thank you, because I was going to bring it up. I was going to say, hello, it's literally 10 minutes to places. How did you get in here? I feel like that was the one thing you weren't upset at. <laughs> yeah, exactly, because she because she brought it up. Thank you. Thank you, Betty. Okay, so here we go. Uh, Evening Prayers is the song that they are singing, and it's a song that's halfway through Act 1. So um, Mitch has already sung a bunch of songs as Carrie. She's already sung, that's not my name. So this is like halfway through Act 1. No, it's not. It's the second song. No, the second song is Carrie. Evening Prayers is what they're singing. It's halfway through Act 1. Oh, the track list that I saw didn't say that. Okay, anyway, continue. Okay, so then there was a good amount of time in between for her to get killed, I guess. Well, I'm trying to remember if she, like, did her whole scene with the uh, levitating of the Jesus, and then, like, how long it's been since they were like, okay, we're done that scene, now we get the mom scene where she talks about how it's time to let her out of the closet. Like, how long that was. I don't know. But It can't have been that long. And here's the reason why I know that there are crew, there's crew back there. Because she says, okay, Carrie, it's time for you to come out of the closet. And Cheryl says, okay, she's supposed to be singing already on her knees. Did you reblock this? And there's a fly. A fly is, like, a, a thing where it's, like, a giant... Um, set piece and then there are people on the side who pull the ropes so that it goes up Mm -hmm. a fly yeah so clearly there's somebody back there and there's somebody on who's a stage manager calling the queue to to bring it up so somebody's back there what is up i don't know man i'll never know anyway so here's what i noticed is that these are the people who we see backstage alice obviously is on stage Betty, Veronica, Moose, Archie, and Tony are the people that we see watching Alice from the back, okay? Okay. Then, yeah, the closet, she's crucified seven knives. 
And what the note says is, I am back from the dead. All those who escaped me before will die, BH. So, Moose, Fred, who else? Um, oh, well, Betty. I guess Betty. And Archie. Yeah. Because the Black Hood saw them kissing, didn't he? No, that was Adams. Oh, wait, no, that was a misdirect, and that was Adams. Yeah. But he tried to kill them both. Oh, no, wait, Cheryl saw Betty and Archie kissing. The Adams took pictures of Archie and Veronica kissing. So, I think it's because of what the Black Hood had Svensson do. Right. That Betty and Archie will definitely be part of that. Please don't kill, please don't kill Moose or Fred. Thank you. And if, like, you're going for, like, the whole thing, and you're just trying to think of, like, who else in the town has done some messed up stuff. Lots of people. Probably all of the lodges. Not Jughead. FP, though. Yeah, probably not Juggy. FP, though. Alice? Yeah. Oh, for sure. Actually, she Jughead, to- probably, yes, because he's been keeping these secrets. And he's a serpent. Yeah. If the if the Black Hood knows about the dead body, which he seems to know literally everything, so... I mean, if he's Keller, he doesn't know. So... I mean, we'll if see. he's... I don't think they would know about the dead body, but I think being a serpent makes you guilty by association to okay. the Black Hood. Mm-hmm. Um, so... Yeah. Alice is the only person with a realistic and appropriate reaction. Everyone else is like, did you- oh my god, and Majin did it. Well, everyone else is kind of in shock. Yeah, did you see that tweet where someone was like, yes, <laughs> did, did you saw it? You know exactly what I'm going to say? Yes, I know exactly what you're going to say. Where everyone's like, this is what everyone's doing in the audience, and it's just that huge compilation of like drag queens sipping their absolute vodka in untucked yes i thought that was funny um and so everyone runs except jughead is like oh my gosh i have to go save betty starts running up to the stage and when he's like waving around his camera if you see there's like a couple frames chick is just sitting there that messed me up bro that's terrifying that's so scary so he's sitting there so for everyone who didn't see what you texted me yeah um, he's sitting there, like, in the middle of the chaos, not doing Just anything. Just stone-faced, sat down. So what's that about? What is that? What is going on? That's so freaking scary. That's, like, one of the scary... Like, dude, dude's been creeping me out for a while, but that's the scariest thing he's ever done. That freaked me out, bro. Like, I know it's not possible for Chick to be the Black Hood, but... But what? I guess, like... I guess if Chick's, like, low-key a psychopath, you would kind of look at that and be like, mm. Dude... No, but that's not even fair to psychopaths. No. You can't be like, oh, there's a person who has seven knives in them. Eh, I guess I'll just sit that's here. normal. That's not chill. He has to know. No. He has to have known that was going to happen. Bro. But how? I don't know. Uh, 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 I don't know. <laughs> it's 1045. Dude, it's 1145 here. We started at, we started at 830. What the fuck? <laughs> uh, okay. I looked at the clock and I was like, hmm, I heard the cannon a while ago. I wonder what time it is. I heard the cannon an hour and 45 minutes ago. Is it um, segment time? Yeah. Oof, now that we're finally here. My first segment is called Asexual Jughead? Question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark, question mark. And the answer is yes, always yes. So. I mean, definitely nothing here would have just Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and um, my segment is which... MILF slash mom was the most badass in this episode. Obviously, Alice. Yeah. (laughs) My next segment is called Did the Snake Parents Acknowledge Their Obvious History? Their history meaning last night or something? Yeah, they're they're (laughs) up. Um, yes, but it's not going great. 
It's a little rocky. Both both pieces of their history, the most recent one and the long past yeah, one. Yeah, about um, the same mistakes. Yeah. And now it's time for our oh. best line award. My best line award goes to Cheryl for... So what? You just feast on broken dreams now? Is that it? Great line. Top notch. <laughs> and mine goes to Cheryl for... You and Uncle Claudius are pig people and should live amongst the pigs. I just like when Cheryl is doing the Pig most. people. Pig people. Alliterations are great. Okay, trailer reactions in three, two, one, play. Let's talk about your feelings. Oh Ugh, you know, I just see Hal and I'm like, numbered. Keller. I can't stop Remy. thinking about what the Black Hood wrote. Money. All those who escaped me before sure. will die. Hey, someone graffiti Who, killer. Oh my god. Oh my god, the snake parrot. A lot of money, chick. <gasps> Wait, I'm sorry. Hang on, hang on. Who attacked Alice now? Why is someone attacking Alice? Oh, that's with a knife. That's a full-on knife there. Who would do that? Okay, wait, I'm starting from the beginning. I gotta start from the beginning. Okay. It's a man's hand. Yep. Okay, so people at the funeral. Alice, Betty, Hal, Hermione. People I don't recognize in the background. Oh, wait, let me see what Alice is oh. wearing. Now we also have Jughead's there. Keller's there and he's in his, like, actual uniform. Oh. Okay, Keller's the Black Hood, so calm down. FP is there. <laughs> I don't, I think that might be Fangs. Reggie. Moose. Oh, oh, he looks so sad. Okay, uh, I love that Cheryl is, like, vaguely threatening Sheriff Keller and I'm not sure why. Weatherby, Ethel, Claudius, and Penelope are there. Are the people sitting her family? Kate, Kate, hang, hang on, hang on. I'm still, I'm still Kate. looking at the funeral. No, 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 no. This is what I'm talking about. How the hell did Penelope and Claudia show up to a funeral and everyone's like, what the fuck? <laughs> I thought Clifford was dead. <laughs> no, no one else knows that he's a twin. So like they show up and they're like, wait a minute. Like Hold was on. the funeral really the time to debut Penelope and Claudia's? <laughs> That's funny. Archie, um, Pop. Who's that? Why is Fred not standing beside Archie? Who's that? I don't know. Cheryl is here, and then, like, a bunch of other people who I guess are the other vixens? I don't see Tony, though. They've all got their little R's on. Yeah. Now, okay. was anyway. Midge a vixen? Yeah, she was. Okay, so that's why they're all in uniform. Keller and Cheryl. Oh my god, this is like Jason's funeral. Everyone's wearing inappropriate school cheer uniforms. <laughs> Archie running. This is the sisters and Jughead and Betty. I love how Jughead's wearing his south side jacket again. I support him. But also, why are they there? I don't know. Like, are they going to see about Chick? I don't know. Uh, Veronica and a bunch of money in a bank. Cheryl's smiling at somebody. Smirking up at someone. Who is that? A dude, probably. Uh, Archie, it is a dude. Betty, the Kellers, Sheriff, Sheriff, Sheriff Killer. Somebody else agrees. Or, yeah, see, or, right? Or are but they no, accusing him of killing Svensson, who's not the real Black Hood? Okay, but like now I'm pupset because seeing this, I'm like, crap, the theory's too obvious now. Okay, but but I really think that they're probably just being like, you killed Svensson. Okay, I could go along with that. And now they're saying, how could you kill him? He was our janitor. We loved him. Maybe. I don't know. But either way, it's like, he was in a black hood mask. What else could I do? Wait, who's Arch looking at? Archie. And this person in a hood. In a hood. 
Yeah, but I think it's a serpent or something. Yeah, I think so too. It looks like the build of Sweet Pea, to be honest. It looks like a le- yeah, Sweet Pea maybe FP. No, not FP. Um. Oh, look, Betty and Juggy are in this in creepy a hotel hallway. They're going to find Chick. Can we get rid of Nick Sinclair? Why is he here? Archie running. Yeah, Alice confusing. crying at FP. I'm ready. Okay, Caitlin, it's time for dinner. Oh, it's time for a feast darling <laughs> veronica and this pile of money oh my god i'm so happy that i get to watch the next episode live oh okay oh my god ronnie in a pile of money is a power move chick getting confronted by jughead jughead <gasps> oh oh FP? wait are you seeing this what jughead has Juggy, blood on his hand juggy's in the kitchen with dinah juggy's in the kitchen <laughs> with chick yes and probably alice okay right <gasps> isn't that their kitchen uh yes but also okay so jughead has blood on his hand and fp is pulling him away and it looks like that person is blonde so i think it's probably chick that they've either maybe tied up or something archie has oh my god does juggy hurt alice in order to take chick in... oh you think that maybe like alice is refusing to let him take chick and that's why alice goes to fp and she's like jughead just like assaulted me <laughs> she's like you can't date my daughter Yo. anymore you piece of crap um, Yo, I'm so ready for this. Yeah, and then look. Archie has stuff on his face. Yeah, this this knife. Yeah, because it's like we see the, like him reaching for the knife. Hang on, hang on, hang on, hang what? on. I think Alice is in the background of that shot where FB grabs Jug. <gasps> okay, tell him. She is. She wait, is. Wait, wait. Alice and Betty are behind FP and Jughead. I don't see them. When? He- <gasps> oh, snap. Oh, that's a real quick thing. Alice is in black, so it's kind of hard to see. How do I go frame oh by my God. frame on YouTube? You know YouTube? how my MILF radar is, though. How do I go frame by frame on YouTube? I know there there is a way to... I just press start and stop. <gasps> okay, yeah, already. that's Betty for sure. Okay, Archie has yeah, garbage and then you can. Ca- There's a knife. But you can kind of see out of the corner of your eye, Alice is in shadow. Okay. Oh my God, Betty has a gun. Betty has a gun. Who is that running? Is that Archie? Who is that? That's Chick. Chick? Oh, yeah, it Here's sure mine. is. Okay. Okay, wow. What a trailer. That's one of the craziest trailers that we've had so far. Yo, I was like, after this week's episode, I was like, oh my god, the snake parents are like, I don't know how to feel about this. And now I'm like, oh my god, I'm so hyped. Let's go. Let's do this. Is it next week yet? Next <laughs> next week, we get the return of the hundred and Riverdale. Oh my god. I'm literally so this this is like the feeling that we had um at the beginning of season two when we were like, the black hood's gonna kill a person a week. Yeah. You know? Yeah. And then that wound up not happening. That was nuts. Yeah. I'm very excited. It's, we have talked so much, but it's time for our outro. Okay, Caitlin, it's time for the outro. Thank you so much for listening. Our music is Terminal by Good News Tunes. I like the abrupt tone change that we do when we do our outro. I know. (laughs) (laughs) If you're a fan of The 100, we like to talk about that show too. And as of next week, we will get to talk about it again. When this gets released, two days. Until the premiere. Oh, okay. Season if you're a fan five is going to be out. If you're a fan of Lost, we like to talk about that show too. We're done season one, and season two will be starting soon, so this is a great time for you to binge. Yeah, time to get a, caught up on Lost, guys. Yeah. You can follow the Aficionados on Twitter, Facebook, Tumblr, Instagram, Redbubble, YouTube, all of those things. But mostly Twitter. Mostly Twitter. 
Our Patreon is patreon.com slash theafficionados. If you like what we do here, please consider donating. It's really expensive. Our shortlist right now for more podcasts to do is Orphan Black, Stranger Things, and Battlestar Galactica. So if you're interested in seeing any of those, uh, or I guess hearing any of those, let us know on Twitter and consider donating to our Patreon to help us out because it's expensive to run so many pods. Why are you saying expensive in a way that is not adorable? Expensive! It's expensive. It's expensive. Thank you. Mm-hmm. You can follow me on Twitter at Britannia, which is B-R-I-T-T-A-N-I-A with an underscore at the end. And you can follow me personally at Robin E. Jeffrey. That's R-O-B-Y-N-E-J-E-F-F-R-E-Y pretty much everywhere. So our next episode is 219 Prisoners. I am so pumped. It is a 2013 thriller film, and this is what I got from Wikipedia. The plot focuses on the abduction of two young girls in Pennsylvania and the subsequent search for the suspected abductor by the police. After police arrest a young suspect and release him, the father of one of the missing girls kidnaps the suspect to interrogate and torture him. It got a, I think it was a nom for best cinematography and has a star-studded cast. And also, that's literally what Juggy's doing to Chick. Yeah. Dude, I am so freaking pumped. I'm so ready. Oh my goodness. My life has been changed this day. I can't believe we had to wait a hiatus. But no more hiatuses for the rest of the season. Hiatus I, if you will. Get out of here. (laughs) Okay, fine. Okay, love you. Bye. (laughs) Okay, love you. Bye.